event, Mogul's Aerial Ballet. When freestyle became an Olympic event, the first two were made into separate disciplines, and the ballet was mercilessly put to pasture. Whoa, he's doing a flip on his ski! This was a real event. They would finger skate down the hill. I'm telling you, it's much more interesting. Like At least it gives you the time to stand there and watch something before right. it goes by you. They would play music, too. Gotta reach for the stars. Do, do, do. Right. Gotta reach for your dreams. Yeah, you can't have a ski thing without that music. Look at this. It's so fuck. I, you know, I take back equestrian dancing. I think that sounds better than this. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>, horses. <laughs> yeah, you know that the like Romneys did that. <laughs> like when the horse counts to three. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. You're talking about the dancing. They go sideways. Yeah, yeah. As a word, the after parties are terrible because they'll hear a song and they'll be like, "This is my jam." Cut, <laughs> cut. <laughs> Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> head side, side, head, head side, side, and ninny, and ninny, and drop a couple apples. That's my horse dancing. Electric slide. You like my dance? What's with the long face? It's a party. <laughs> it's a party. It's oh crab apples. It's a party. Why the log face? Oh, you're Love. just jealous of him. Well, he's no unicorn. Why? I don't see why you're... I'm sorry I keep making these horse jokes. I know it's flogging a dead you. <laughs> oh, boom That's pretty morbid. Well, Mr. <laughs> Ed was going like, why, why can't you talk? Because they're horse. You know, they always said that the reason that the way they made Mr. Ed on the TV show talk was that they put peanut butter in his mouth. But he was actually talking. He was, if you listen carefully, you could hear him say, more peanut butter. <laughs> With some jelly next time. Mix it up. He goes, if you can speak, why are we paying this actor? You know why he talked like this? Peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, right. He was like, the, you know why he talked like this? He was a little horse, Carl. He was a little horse. Boom, boom, boom. That's Pony. Oh, he was a Pony. <laughs> you know why ponies can't talk? They're just little horse. Oh, I didn't know that. You know who, what horse is? It's a ballet, man. It's a real thing. It's I know. Weird. We're talking over this, and it's just minute after minute. So this three-and-a-half-hour movie had, like, full-on ballet performances. The sport just laughed this away. It was a real thing. When it became Olympic, they just laughed it away. This is perfect Olympic shit. You think other countries are like, we're not doing this. And we created ballet. Well, no, but the thing is, this was never in the Olympics. It was in skiing competitions around the globe. But when the Olympics took on skiing... Oh. It's like breakdancing of skis. Guy did a couple head flips. Harkin. Harkin, you're the breakdancer on skis. I am jealous to German. I am jealous. I am <laughs> Now, why does he get to stand inside the line? You know what I mean? Like when oh, he gets to hug his buddy. Down, nobody. Yeah, right. I don't know. I maybe because it's they just. <sighs> Did you write a complaint? I would have complained to the manager. I'd be like, "This is not realistic." You know, um, the uh, uh, werewolf of London guy. Yeah. Check this out, man. He had a short-lived television show, a sitcom called Making It, and you know that song that you remember from 
that was on the Spillboard charts back yeah. in the day. Yeah, I'm making it. I got the chance. I'm taking it. That's him. He's singing it. No shit. No more. No more. Do you know the song? Yeah. I think. I was trying to think of what making it is. I should have seen it. Becoming successful in business. Oh, well, I'm not that much of a loser, Carl. I do know what making it is. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it never happened doesn't mean I don't know what it is. Mom. Bitter horse. What is making it? (laughs) Go back in the basement. We'll talk later. It's what our dad. If you don't stop knocking on the door, nothing's going to happen. That um, they're breaking up right now because he's got the, he's making the excuse. I was on the Mickey. Oh, and wow. he's stuck with that German. We're through. I'm going to San Francisco. She's About fine. time. But she doesn't. She doesn't go. The ski world lures her back in. Well, she loves them. She loves, she loves ski culture. How much money do you have to spend to be part of this culture, right? This is more expensive yeah. than having a phone. You gotta yeah. have a membership, yeah. or you gotta. Do they have a day job? Harkin says. Um, Harkin says in the thing that he he worked all summer to save his money to come. <laughs> but is this like a police academy two week course, or is this like you know a summer camp, or like? No, it's there is a contest, and they're all entered in it. Oh, I see. Are they playing lacrosse? In the snow? Is that is that lacrosse? What is that? He's got a joint. See, we are from Montclair, New Jersey, so we should know lacrosse when we see it. Right. We've seen Terminal Bliss. We should know. Yeah, Terminal Bliss, one of our movies. They, they do lacrosse. Oh, I think they're playing hockey on uh, ice. Weird. They're playing field hockey on ice. Hope this works. Right. It's, oh, yeah. Oh, they're actually wearing boots. Interesting. Ow! Wow. He fucking punches the guy. Wow, all this shit looks like it hurts. <laughs> and roll him. <laughs> it's a comedy. I want you to hurt people. Boom, boom, boom. It's, it's okay to hurt people because you make that, like, boing sound effect. Oh, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Boy, they're roughhousing. So there was super parties. And, like, there were divorces and stuff. The parties were so bad. So, anyway, this Mike Marvin, he got called into, you know, squad's management office, you know, where the Olympics are. And they're like, you're going to have to pull the plug on this. We're going to, you know, going to ruin it if you don't calm these people down. And he says, I knew the guy since I was 18 years old. I could never figure out if he's trying to muscle me or show me that I wasn't the big shot I thought I was. It's not easy bringing a Hollywood production to a small town where you were raised in a one-room schoolhouse. It triggers all the jealousy you can ever imagine. Huh. Blames Mike. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're young, or they're playing young. They're probably all in their 30s at this point, but they're, uh, you know. Yep. Oh, fight. Cat fight on the ice. That's not Banana Pants, believe it or not. Well, That's Banana Pants would not be local. in the fights. She was, she was in a different fight, but not there. She was too dignified. Yeah, so we went to the fight. Look, they're having a scrum. All right, post-party. I'm getting too old for this. Did you see that garmish blindside me? Yeah. They were vicious, but we tried. Yeah. Man. Hey, we were small, but we were slow. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. Like, we were small, but we were fast. You know, but... Right. Like, we were something, but we were another negative. Now, Banana Pants is not wearing yellow. Shouldn't she be... 
Well, she was wearing. Uh, yeah. How are they going to remember I mean, her? How has an the audience? Guy's always got his Walkman headphones on. She should always have her banana pants. Right. Okay. Now they're entering the equipment room. They're up to shenanigans. So on opening night, uh, there it was in Westwood, California, and they dumped a ton of snow on a summer night in one of the theaters. At one of the theaters, I guess outside. David and Shannon Tweed had this little snowball fight for the premiere. David Naughton. Wow, that was Hollywood magic right there. The he German was... guy claims he never thought it would make it to the screen. I mean, back then, things would either go straight to video. Right. Um, what did he say here? David Naughton was the only name in the movie, and things used to go straight to video. So he thought that was going to be his fate. <clears throat> Which you got to—that's a—that was a huge market too, because you know people had these giant VCRs back in '83, yeah, and, and it was new. Also, the videotapes were not cheap; they were they were priced right. at ninety-nine dollars back there to keep them rentals. Wait, wasn't no? But it, when a when a new one would come out, it would be like if it was really good, it'd be upwards around twenty-nine, like thirty dollars. But usually, it was twenty dollars when it first came out, and it would be ten dollars like a year later. But it would be uh, like uh, in '83 there was trading places, and I remember it was the retail price was eighty nine dollars and ninety five cents. Oh wow! Just to keep you rent to keep you renting it, yeah. So you. Would, hey, I'm done with this film because they would they wouldn't oh. want to. Oh, she's done too. Are you quitting on this film? Or, no, she's going to learn how to ski now. I'll show him. I'll become a skier. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's me out there in the skis. I, I did have an opportunity to go to a ski resort, and I actually just walked around town, but I didn't have the right shoes or jacket. I went to Lake Placid with the family, another Olympic town. We yes. took a tour and learned all about the hockey team that won the Russians that year. That was where the giant alligator that. was, wasn't it? The what? Giant alligator from the movie Lake Placid. No. All oh, right. Oh, was it? I think so. Oh, I think you might be right. Yeah. That makes sense because it's a tropical. Well, maybe it was something else. It was like Lake Sharkhead or something like Lake Alligator Head. So what was Lake Placid like? Well, Lake Placid really challenged my sense of uh, heights. I wouldn't say fear of heights, but I had one by the time I left. I mean, we went up in this huge gondola, and it was all over the mountain. And then we went on this... Uh, when we got to the bottom, you would go up three stories and jump into this big uh, trampoline kind of thing, you know, a big big net. It was so scary, Mike. From the ground, you're like, what's the big deal? You get up there, and I swear to God, the thing's a postage stamp wow. you know, on the ground. And you can't get so down. You get on, well, you have to jump. You have to jump, and yeah. you do. Um, then we went on this ski lift that was, like, really lame, like you – you know, you could just slip out of your chair and jump if you wanted. You know, it, was, it wasn't restrained. And I had just fallen three stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was fresh in my mind. We went up on the ski slope. Did you there was the Olympic thing where you you have the gold, the silver, and the bronze. Wow. And so my three kids got up there. And I was like, do black power. Do black power. <laughs> right. Like that picture. Like that right. moment the famous, in history. Right. 62. It wasn't Winter Olympics or anything. No, you're right. Yeah, Lake so Placid. I didn't get the shot. My wife would not stand for my. Uh... <laughs> How 
How much? Yeah. Of, how many times did you do that jump off thing? You just did it the once. Just the once. <laughs> I won't do it if you ask. I, because I was on the ground going, "What's the big?" And I'm saying to my voice, "Look, you know everybody lives." Yeah, Don't right. They wouldn't have it otherwise. Right. Yeah. So just let it. Go. And then when I got up there, I was like, "It's like, oh my god!" It wasn't like I was scared. It was more like a part of my body that was about survival instincts refused to let me. <laughs> I mean, I did do it, but I'm saying, yeah, never again. We're watching, uh, by the way, the movie is playing, uh, but it's just footage of skiing. Do you ever watch those oh, well, Warren Miller movies? This is the big con. I'm go ahead. Uh, oh, no, no, I was just all right. Well, there's a guy who all he does is make ski documentaries, by which it's just footage of people skiing. Yeah, Marvin was one of those guys, Mike Marvin, for a long time. Yeah. Um, here it is. You're looking through your papers there in the hotel room in Virginia. I appreciate it. Correct. That's correct. What a I'm trooper. Not finding it. This fucking hotel detective is downstairs like, what is that guy doing? He's been on the phone watching a ski movie on YouTube. The hotel detective, man, he was out of sight. He was a uh, 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 hotel um, small detective. Small budget ski films, including 1972 Earth Rider series that captured the first ski base jump ever off of El Capitan in the oh, National Park. Wow, yeah, that was he a big deal. He used to do ski documentaries. Isn't skiing the reason why 70% of the animals are extinct since 1970? I blame it on no. ski culture. They're like, look at this mountain. I'm going to ski down it and go back up. Well, you've got, you, can, you should blame uh, golf courses. Okay. And, uh, no, I'm just going to blame skiers. Snowboarding showed up late to the party, but it's just as bad. All right, here we go. Okay, so here's the German. Now... The, what I was trying to say before is only that this is the big contest, and like the Germans win even though they lost, you know, and everyone's mad. And so he challenges them to the Chinese downhill, and the Japanese guy goes, "What the fuck is the Chinese downhill?" <laughs> and at the 30th anniversary, at the 30th reunion, they asked him to do that like 70, 700 times. Oh, I bet, yeah. Say it again. What the fuck, the Chinese downhill? See, in Aspen, they had the Irish downhill. It's sort of like a free-for-all. Whoever gets to the bottom first wins, but you just beat each other up. But what, and, and better off... And they called it the Irish downfall? The Irish downhill. Yeah. Downhill. Oh, oh my. So, so in 2014, they asked this... Um, um, this Jimmy Sieto to say that like that hundreds of times. Well, yeah, I guess fan convention should pay twenty bucks at this point. All right, here we go. Squaw Valley, USA. This is Har- no, this, this is, is uh, Harkin. Harkin. Yeah. Man, I can't. So Shannon, Shannon Tweed had a stunt double, but not a body double. Uh, no, I mean, Ski double. Tweed is the body double, right? Right, well, maybe. I mean, that's that was a pretty hot... I uh, can't believe she gave this guy a Mickey. And then well, like they just got see, it on. Um, Blue Lagoon, right? Yeah. There's, there's Brooke Shields' face, and then cut to below her neck, and it's like, ba-wang! <laughs> double, double. <laughs> that's even just as bad. That's what Shannon Tweed is all about. All right, ski. Marvin says, 
years before this film, a guy named Norm Simmons was how, talking about how he won a Chinese downhill. And I said, what the fuck is a Chinese downhill? That's how it ended up in a movie. One nice thing about this movie in our podcast is that we can talk over this footage. This is like actually probably preferable than... Yeah. Otherwise, it's this. You did it! Hardigan Banks, a beautiful run in his first international competition. Oh, the numbers won't bear him out, though. Wow, what a scam. This yeah. fucking premium cable skiing channel is a scam. Now, the German guy is also a newscaster, just like um, uh, Sonny. Sonny. That's crazy. Yeah. What charm uh, lies? I mean, you got to admit, like, it's one thing to be in a movie and then become a newscaster, but this is a skiing movie. Like, you get to ski and, and party. Isn't it funny, though, that two of the main actors became anchors? Yeah. Well, they're the two, they could trust, people could trust them for news, I guess. Uh, weekend news anchor Minneapolis, Minnesota, 2001. Two Falls, South Dakota, and KDLP. Current, Welcome yeah, to the Falls. weekend desk. Hi, I'm only on the air on Saturday and Sundays. The boring days, nothing's happening. See you Monday. That's right. Real weekday news, Mondays through Fridays. Oh, I think we're going to have the gondola sex scene now. now. What is this gondola that you speak of? Uh, it's just that thing they're getting in, you know, it's the ca- a car. Oh, I see. It's like a ski lift, but it holds four people? Yeah, it's called a gondola because, you know, a gondola is like, like boat in yeah. Venice. Is it yeah, true that this is... because it's, yeah, multiple people. It's like a boat. Is it true that the canals are filled with sewage? Yeah. yeah. It is. Not sewage like... Not... Okay. Yeah. The Europe's been around a long time, and if you go back to 1400s, then yeah, there's poop. Yeah, right. in the river. Okay, well, here we are. Yeah, but if I'm a tourist and I go on the gondola... Today, no. no. You'll, you'll see pristine... Well, no, I don't know pristine, but it, it's more like Hudson River. Ooh. Whoa, look at that. He got in the gondola with a, a sexy 80s model. Yeah, She's... no, when the skis were right next to her, or the skis were in the ski basket, and then there's no skis. I don't know. The internet thought that was a big deal. Oh, um, she's, what's she's... happening here is the director's got a walkie-talkie Whoa. and saying like, saying like, kiss her on the leg. Sure. Can right, you just do that? Like, give him, throwing him suggestions. It was his idea to do, what is it, zinc oxide, that stuff he puts on his Oh, face. yeah. That He's oblivious idea. that she's yeah. pulling down the zipper of her top. Because he's yeah. putting on zinc. Yep. No. She's like, you missed the spot, and guess where she, you know, the pee pee. Oh. You never know where you're gonna get burned. <laughs> you don't want to miss like the spot. Like when you go spots. pee, sometimes it burns. Oh, I, this is pretty. Uh, he put on ox- zinc oxide. He likes the way he, she puts on that oxide, baby. <laughs> Wow, he's just going right to the breasts. He's a, you know, red-blooded American boy. Yeah, in 1983. Look, look, look what you see! <laughs> That's actually my zipper, girl, not the movie. <laughs> just, what a coincidence, What a coincidence. Right? 
Sarah Look at that face. Me. She's pulling it out. You were unzipping. Look at is the that, hair. Is that a stunt chest, or do you think that's him? I think that's a double body double, because that you know that was a bear. <laughs> that was a real. I think it was a body double. Uh, see, this is where it's important to learn how to act. The critics hated this film. Hated it. Hated it was, he's it, giving. Hated it, it. She's giving him head right now. How can they hate this? <laughs> They're on a gondola, and she went down on him, and the camera stayed on the guy going. Ugh. I'm in a motion picture. I have to act like I'm getting a blowjob. And I get to fake perform it. <laughs> Your mother must be very proud, young lady. 30 years Thank later. You. Hey, say that line. Yeah, right. Yeah. Did you see what mom has on YouTube? No way. Look how <laughs> young she is. Yeah, no shit. Now, why didn't Sunny leave? And where has she been sleeping at night? Well, she got her own room. She's got she's, no money. She's been hanging out in the there's, lounge. Oh, they're smoking a bowl from a pipe. Look at that. Nice wow. to see a pipe represented once in a while. She just passed that shit. No, thanks. It's in the cut. I'm a sativa lady. <laughs> Is it legal yet in Virginia? Uh, <laughs> hey, oh, yeah. Can you go downstairs? The lobby's like, here you go. Uh, some CBD gummies. <laughs> That's the uh, non-getting high one. Yeah, do yourself a favor, man. That's such a fucking bullshit hoax now. Now that it's legal, you got everything has CDB in it. You could buy it in the liquor store, newspaper, you know what I mean? Like, you could mm -hmm. buy it at a corner store. Just don't even bother. Hey, right now, the joke is, what, are, what, race, what move are you doing? And he goes, I can't talk. All right, let's see. Oh, I guess he's done talking. Banzai! Banzai. This is why they call him Comic Con. Oh, the music's different too. That is not our friend. Oh, that's not the actor flipping around. Not only did I not know Japanese, I told him I knew how to ski, and that's the reason why I'm in traction. <laughs> Bon wow. die. I mean, bon means uh, good in French. I wonder if die is something in French. Yeah, all right. Zai. Now we're just watching a flipping around like a breakdancer. Right. Well, this is the ski jump one. And when Harkin goes up, he's going to do like a quadruple lad. We blah, just watched blah, a blah, double. Blah. And the guy's like, you can't do a quadruple lad. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Nobody <laughs> ever does. Nobody's done a triple Linsky before. Right, like that. Yeah, yeah that was. Well, uh, I'm gonna. Back to school. It. Was it like Ronnie Dangerfield had the wins. triple Linsky jump or something like that? And Emma Walsh was like, nobody's done that before. There was only one person who did that. Lot. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. I was the one who did it. Hey, I know you. You're that fat and wide guy. Hey, all right. Let me take <laughs> these pens back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fat and wide story. Is that Rodney Dangerfield? It was like story? fat and tall or something. Like that. And the guy goes, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're that fat and tall guy. He goes, oh, all right. Let me take those pens back. Because he's giving out pens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was funny. Oh, man. Everyone looks like Scott Bayo or, or uh, Ted McGinley. It's like the cast of Happy Days getting in the ski thing. You know, um, uh, David Naughton, yeah. he's somewhere in New York Mets hat. 
I wonder why the in- internet didn't tell me about that choice. Oh, I think the internet's lacking. Come on, internet. Well, it could be me. Well, he's in California, I, too. Yeah, like, why have New York met? Like, is his, act, his character from New York? I don't know. It's such a Hollywood thing. Like, this is about uh, Colorado ski culture. We'll shoot it in fucking San Francisco, in California. <laughs> do, do, gotta make it on your dreams. Here's Rudy, our German friend. It's the same shot. You know what? I'm kind of numb to these videos. I get it. You yeah. go in circles. In the air. Where are you going to land? Thing is, like, you kind of are out of context when you only see sky. You know what I mean? Yeah. They should just have one single shot. The guy comes down and does the flip. Because then it's impressive. Then you see it as a real person, and you're like, look what he can do. Well, these guys are all impressive. No one's hurt himself yet, I guess. Uh, no, that is an obvious point in the... Look at that. 9899. They got, he got one guy. Yeah, good, good rating. Yes. They are the best. They are the best, boys. <laughs> oh, yay. Go Germany. Yay. He looks like Hasselhoff. Is that a coincidence? guess so. There Just he the is. hair. Let's listen to his... You can't do the quadruple. Let's listen. Twist and triple. A twist and triple? What? I've never seen one of those before. Are you qualified for that? You can't do that. That's impossible. Well, I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's Harkin. That is so Harkin. Harkin's back where he just didn't give a shit. Okay. All right. Good luck. Oh, that's great. That's my new comedy bit, Carl. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, you'd be the coach. So ask me what my next move is. Okay, so what is your next move? I'm going to do the call, uh, the double flip-flip. What? Oh, what? Mike. You heard me. I'm the double flip-flip. Well, I'm not, not nobody, and I'm going to do the double <laughs> flip-flip. Yo, get out of here. Look at that, look at that. Hey, he whoa. Like he's going to fall. Like Lots of times he looks like, he's. oh, I'm going to hit my head. He, he did it. Oh, he did double flip-flip. <laughs> Even his girlfriend, who's not his girlfriend, is like, yeah, double flip flip. <laughs> Woo, he yeah. wins the contest, but he doesn't win the contest. The Germans steal it from them because they get the viewership. You can't just come out onto the... I would have done that a million times if I knew... You... When I was at Lake Placid, I would just come out into the snow. Oh, right. Just pull... Them, giving him a hug. Well, that's the reason why they have that red, oh, red fence that surrounds the perimeter. It's to say... Nine, three. Walk underneath nine, it. Nine, seven. Yeah, I thought it said crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're throwing snowballs. Yeah. Trucky, <laughs> truck you. Trucky you. I am a winner. I am a winner. Is that your German accent? Oh, sorry. I could do much better. Oh, he's out civil through snow interface. The intro's Atlas. Whoa, Squirrely! Took a dive! Actually, he's just Squirrel, though. I keep calling him Squirrely because of Pauly. Yeah. I mean, sure. Whatever happened to the people having sex in the gondola? Well, I'm sure that, you know, it doesn't last all day, Mike. I mean, 
Yeah, I want to know. Be a singing German song. <laughs> Guys, keep it down. I'm on the phone. I'm trying to eat my sandwich. Now, there's something factually wrong with that uh, trophy, by the way. I can't see it, though. Is the fact that he's on a surfboard? <laughs> All right. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is a bowling ball. <laughs> now they have their stockpile of, you know, like in Snowballs. the elf. The Americans and Japanese are going to fight the Germans. Now, in the Chinese downhill that's going to follow, the Internet claims that there's lots of times you can see the cameras and there's lots of continuity errors when they, like, a skiers now wearing different clothes. But I got to tell you, man, I don't care. The thing, yeah. I, I don't notice any of that. Do you notice that behind them where they're throwing snowballs is the Olympic logo, the circles? I do didn't but it makes sense because it's 1960s site of yeah but you know they are highly protective of that logo like their copyright and their olympics name in general and especially uh -huh. the logo you see it right there in the background yes they wouldn't be able to do that today they would have to like uh digitize it out i bet you that's right and uh i don't know that it just was a a flag that happened to be in the just happened world to be place, yeah I guess. they're shooting in this place and it just happened to be in the 60s a uh, Olympics okay site. now let's listen to some dialogue right. that they're going to do Chinese go. downhill you know something Rudy I think it's time we settle this once and for all hey squirrel spot me 50 bucks 50 bucks that's like 150 bucks now money <laughs> assuming <laughs> you've been watching this Chinese downhill. downhill. 40 bucks a man, winner takes all. It's the only way. Uh, it is the only way. Chinese <laughs> downhill. Oh, and uh, Rudy, to bring the trophy, I think it should go to the real champion. I yeah. am the champion. But the Chinese downhill will decide everything. Ah, oh, the Chinese downhill is not the answer to everything. But, but let's wait for right, the right, Japanese right. guy's line. Down here. What the fuck is a Chinese down here? <laughs> I don't know. Is that so funny? The, the that's, the, that's the first thing he says in English, right? Yes, it is. Right, yeah, well, that's, that is but, funny. I mean, throughout the film, I mean, we weren't watching it on mute. The joke is he'll say something in Japanese and whoever's with him totally knows what he goes. He goes, yeah, he's right. <laughs> He understands English and speaks in Japanese. They understand Japanese. Now, this mountain okay. must be where the Chinese downhill is. That's right. Now, you can see everybody up there. Now, the internet made a big deal that the, the, a guy on the loudspeaker is going to say, winner takes all $2,300, and, like, the math doesn't add up for 40 bucks a person. And 23, yeah. 26, right? Or, yeah. Now, this is an homage to um, those movies like Mad Max, which everyone, you know, has like an apocalyptic equipment. Yeah. yeah, they're getting ready to battle, but they're actually skiing. Well, good, uh, you know, and it's a lot That's better a in the three and a half hour version. Oh, I wish the three and a half hour version exists. I would so watch it. Yeah, that it. would be funny to see. Yeah, 
funny to see you. Like, uh, it's just be more of wet t-shirt contest to so we'll view at home. Well, like I said, the that wet t-shirt contest was forty-five minutes in the guy's version. He saw <laughs> so many great things in it. Oh director. my god! Apparently, yeah, well, nobody liked him, even though I don't know. Like, it was a, a record snow year, and so the, they were skiers, these professionals, and right. they would go. They loved it, and it drove the director mad. He was like, "He's ready to film, and everybody's out skiing." That's interesting. Wow, what a disaster of a film! Then we hired you for one thing. <laughs> This is a real thing. The Irish downhill really was like just just go down the hill and trip a guy or something so that you whoever gets the the thing first, no rules, you know. So that's what they're saying about the Chinese downhill is that it's Yeah. And everyone's just gonna fight everybody else. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You hear the um, music it's like it's like new wave soundy, like Devo sounding. But then some guy will get in and go, I am a classic rock star. Oh, come on, Carl. It's the double guitar, right? Okay, so you got to kick it off with the synth, right? You were the way, hey, Carl, you were the one who told me something really deep about Right Here, Right Now by Jesus Jones. Do you remember this conversation we had 25 years ago? Well, I do love that song, and it is a mix of new wave and rock, and... That guy was super frustrated that the internet made everyone go retro, but you refresh my memory. Okay, you said that this song starts off like it's a techno song, right? Yeah. Like the first couple seconds, it's like, do you, you know, beep, beep, blorp, blorp, and then yeah. it's just record scratch guitar, like, fuck you, I'm yeah. a guitar song. You That's told true. me that. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. That's what this is like. This is like you have the synth kicks it off, and you're like, yeah, new wave. And then the two lazy-ass guitars from the pub starts playing. Wow. Guitar solo. Right. Yeah, then they start singing like... Uh, yeah, it's Friday night at five o'clock. <laughs> you punch out and you're going to the pub. Oof, see that? Yeah, these are like real spills. So they're going to show all the spills in a row, right? Oh, this guy is falling. This has got to hurt, even though it's a stunt. Uh, yeah, like, some stunt. Fall down the hill. Right, what's the stunt? Just yeah. jump. Watch those guys just, just missed him. I know. Whoa! We're falling down the hill again. Uh, Boy, I don't know about this Chinese downhill. That doesn't look very stunty. I think that looks very real. There's no computer graphics at this time. Oh, here we go. This guy is uh, in now, a full banana suit. Parking banks, right? He's going to sort of like, okay. He's shooting like smoke and everyone coughing. He had a smoke bomb in his ski jacket? Yeah. Just... And it's exhaust pipes out of his helmet. Oh, I see. Because he's super jetting. He's the rocketeer. So there's this scene now in which Harkin goes flying through a ski lodge, and cool. the waitress is supposed to open the door and fling all her tray of food. Here he goes, yeah. But she never heard what well, he's going to hit a tree. What doesn't happen is the tree doesn't spring back. I thought it was a boing. No, timber. That's how they cleared a lot of the trees back in the day. The skiers would just fucking slam into them. So 
the, she's supposed to open the door, but she didn't hear the radio. And so there was uh, the stuntman for Harkin going straight, going to smash into that wall, like a wall. Oh, wow, yeah. You know? And some other extra goes, hey, that's funny. That guy's, hey, wait a minute. And then he opened the door. If that guy hadn't have done that, they would have had, like, maybe a fatality. Okay, so this scene's coming up, right? Yeah. So we'll watch the, the brave fucking through. extra opening the door. <laughs> wow, that's nuts. Well, these are pretty yeah. uh, vicious stunts. This movie has gone from, like, happy-go-lucky positive stunts to people clobbering each other. Look at his army helmet. Yeah. But this is shot like Frankie and and uh, Net movies where they're like backdrop skiing. You know, they're like going to the ocean. Fake. Yeah, and when they're oh, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. when there's a close up in that, wow, they're really getting pummeled. Ironically, their careers went downhill as well. <laughs> Thank you. One more jokes like that. I'll be at the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> My helmets taste funny. So this is the German and Harkin. And there's supposed to be a bunch of continuity incorrect. Here we go. Yay, they opened the door. Wow, it jumped out the window. Sir, so we don't. That's insane. That, that guy was really going to smash into that door. And a quick thinking extra, I don't know. Open says, it. But even that stone jumping out of a window, like. Nah. I'm a big guy. I'm not going to fit through the window. <laughs> well, you would smash it. Yeah. The window's not open for you. They're still doing it. They knocked down two picnic tables worth of food. That was the whole craft service from a budget right there. What a stunt. That's, do you know how much money you wasted? Hundreds. <laughs> Hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Hey, we're extras who don't have to take our shirt off. We're cheering at the end. We're locals <laughs> um, who kept is, it on. It's down to Rudy and Harkin. Okay. And Rudy's the German. Yeah, and Rudy just uh, smashed out, and you can see Harkin is going to get carried around. And oh, and right on! Yay! We're ending now. Yay! We got to see the German go die, die, but everyone else, yay, yay! I'm from the background of Hot Dog the Movie. You see that joke there? Yeah, he had the mask on. Drunk through that, right? He loves to drink. He he drank before he went on the downhill. They were on the 20th anniversary. They were pouring champagne on his head and holding him up like he had won. <laughs> on the 30th reunion, he didn't go. Nobody knows where he is apparently. Right. The author. Yay! Hey. Yay! Smack the Chinese downhill. <laughs> I am the Chinese downhill. Tell me how you f love the movie. No, tell me how you love the picture by Edward. Uh, fuck the director, the producer, the guy I was telling you about. Felton? Edward. Yeah, Edward S. Feldman wrote a book called "Tell Me How You Love the Picture," and he dedicates a chapter to this movie. Oh, that's it. Yeah, he hates it. And it just ends with him holding the trophy. Freeze frame and there's ski stunts by shot by Mike. What's that, Carl? I'm sorry. He no, he lost the official contest, but he won the real contest. Chinese downhill. He gets the trophy. 
but that's so oh i guess that's right so televised it's the german but it, they all yeah, know it's german him one and he said all right i'll risk my trophy because i am better than you but he wasn't wow that's insane i will get to listen to some music final they're gonna play a song just to listen to the movie titles the song titles at the end they'll have to have it play another song for the three and a half minutes worth of <laughs> here we go here's all the stunt uh just gears I'm going to write a song for this movie. Those are all real people. Yeah. Going to ski downhill, then take the ski lift up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll take a gondola and go in a straight line. (laughs) I want you to hold my third pole, and we'll get on the gondola. Gondola of love. (laughs) Love, love. <laughs> I'm skiing. Okay, here we go. We're going to list it all the songs. back to the time. When the song credits pop up, I'm going to just like read them out, right? I do this all okay. the time when I see end credits. I have to see who performed it. So I look at all the long credits under the song. A million sounds. A lot of sound effects. Sound effects. Swish. Music editor, assistance, ADR. Come on, where's the sounds? Oh, okay, here we go. Top of the Hill, Hold Me, and that's performed by Cliff Magnus. Cliff Magnus. Dreamers on the Rise, Bringing Down the Moon. <laughs> John Stewart. Oh, wow. Funny guy from Comedy Central. No, he doesn't H his name. When You Were Mine, that's Mitch Ryder. Do mm-hmm. You Love Me, Patty Austin. Hungry Like the Wolf, copyright 1980. That's. That's Duran Duran. Nine, okay, so maybe the song is getting a little old. Right, maybe they, they slip said, in. I will okay, be there for you, Al Jarreau. And then Ruby's Victory Song. Yeah, Rudy's the gut German guy, so. Oh, Boo. music by John Patrick Rieger. He's the, he's the actor. Oh. Am I wrong? Oh, maybe there you R-I-E. go. Special thanks to. City of Squaw Valley, Squaw Valley Ski Corporation, U.S. Ski Association, Freestyle USA, Ski Dinosaur Phila. Yeah, you, all that clothes and the poles. Special thanks goes to like all his friends. Perrier, Mrs. Beer. Johnston. They've given all their stuff for free. The cores. <laughs> wow, these credits are good. Skiing. See, it says any similarity to actual persons. That's not true. Why? Because banana pants. Ski life. Banana pants. (laughs) Next movie. Next movie. What is it? What am I going to research next? Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I would love to hear what you thought of uh, ski. See a hot dog movie. I think it was bad. It was a bad, bad film, and it shouldn't have been. I, I don't know what to say it's, I, I don't think it deserves its cult status I think it yeah it's very bland well I mean the sex scenes are pretty uh, pretty sexy right yes they definitely were but seriously though those sex scenes like they show the curve of a butt and you'd see a crack and, and I mean, we saw a muff right up front and by muff I mean the yeah. pubic hair so I don't want to oh, you know oh People, I don't know. I, I think the raunch factor, the sex comedy part, the sex part was like hardcore. So that I'm all for it. Right. Literally hardcore. And then uh, comedy, not so good. And, but it's all based on this competition. And that just gets kind of like, 
Well, I don't see a cra- a trailer for next week's movie. Uh, I was hoping it must have been one. Well, this is a there's a guy named Arch Hall Jr. and he's definitely a cult character. He's done movies like Arg and uh, uh, The oh, Sadist. That familiar. Yeah, but he, uh, you know, I, I'm a sucker for mid 1960s spy parodies. So that's what we're gonna watch next week. Okay. This film okay. is called The Nasty Rabbit from 1964, aka Spies a Go Go. The Nasty Rabbit, 1964, a.k.a. Go-Go? What? Spies a Go-Go. Spies a Go-Go, okay. I could uh, skip. I don't have any music to play for it. I could just play well, the full you movie. Don't, there is no trailer? No trailer on YouTube. Okay. Do you, well, just put in the name and see if like a little clip comes up. Maybe you can tease, tickle well, the audience with that all right. credit. You know, the, the, the opening credits don't start until eight minutes into the movie. So let me see if I could get That's to that different. eight minutes. Yeah. That's unique. Oh, yeah, this movie is, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. No, a spy film in the 60s, you cannot say it's unique. Okay, so I think, I, I think this might be the, here we go, here's the credits. So this is the opening credits, the famous opening credits, where the signs have the uh, credits written. This, oh, all the, all the credits are written on signs, like roadside signs of rabbits. And like, that the, um, the, the title like says, yeah. So next week, we're going to watch this full movie. Here's the credits from the eight minutes into it. It's a film called The Nasty Rabbits, a.k.a. Spies a Go-Go. Although, I have to admit, the credits says Spies a Go-Go, and then it's printed, a.k.a. The Nasty Rabbit. So, All right. Well, yeah. I can't wait. I mean, we've done The Fat Spy. We've right. We've done The Cold Nose. That's right, Spy with a Cold Nose. And uh, so I, I'm just a sucker to them, Carl. I'm sorry. If I see one, I'm going to go for it. If there's what? Say it again. If I see a spy parody from the mid-60s, I'm going to have to go for it. You are there. Gotcha. It's it Casino Royale, the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> That's what influenced it. All right, it took well, you eight seatings, sittings to watch the whole thing, right? Yeah, it took me two years. No, it took me, actually, I sat down. It took me several years to try to watch it. And then about two <laughs> years ago, I decided because I had kept... Uh, it was on uh, one of the one of the cable channels, and I was going to watch it, and uh, I did. And it was the MGM HD channel. They show that a lot. Rabbit, nineteen sixty-four. The nasty I rabbit. A go go. Yep. All that, right. All right. I cannot wait to check this film out. Maybe I'll start right now. I'm in a hotel room in Virginia with nothing to do till the morning. Oh, yeah. What a better way to kill your life. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, Carl, uh, for researching this and watching it before I have a chance to and just letting uh, uh, letting us know about shit like that. And people yeah, can find sure. more about you. Uh, Carl, that sucks. Just Carl, that Carl, sucks. That sucks. Any, uh, any fun shows? Any fun shows you had? 
no. Okay. Nope. Pretty much no. Nope. Same here. All right. Great. Well, thank you, audience. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T is our name. If you want to follow us on iTunes or any of your podcast RSS feeds uh, here at MutinyRadio.fm, go to the website. Yeah. Go donate money. Carl, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, audience. Bye. Thank you, audience. Bye. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. It's been Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual, and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian Haight-Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. 
Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com Radio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen... Six o'clock. Welcome to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival here at Mutiny Radio. Yay! You're all here. Yay! We have an amazing night of comedy prepared for you. Five hours of amazing people. And we are starting out tonight with the Newbies Show. All of these comedians have been doing comedy for two years or less. Oh my God. They're in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Coming at these bitches and all these snitches, hitting switches, going back to riches. 
Jumbo Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety. It's two o'clock on a Wednesday. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is here on Mutiny Radio. It's time for Some Call Me Tim. Uh, welcome to Some Call Me Tim. Today is 418 to timestamp it for you peeps. 418. It's almost 420. We have Juwan Rubin on the program today yes, to do. talk about what's going on. Juwan, I haven't met you before, but we have friends in common, so I, yes. I trust. I trust that you are. A, 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 if you want to listen, you can. It doesn't matter. I'm. I'm can hear the trippy music behind us. Nice. Uh, so. Yeah, we never met before. We've never met before. Yeah. So but I don't you know. Saw I the didn't post. Know. Saw the post on Facebook on bacon. Uh, bacon is. Uh, I don't want to tell too many people about bacon because I like to keep it as exclusive as possible. The, uh, the 7,500 people that are yeah. part of bacon. Yeah, it's super exclusive. <laughs> a lot of fucking people. Yeah. And then there's also, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a Google Doc of all the uh, different shows in the area. So if you're a comedian and you want to know what's going on, then go to bacon and find out, you know, if there's an open mic near you. So, yeah, I saw your post and... Uh, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm down to do. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe and what's better than the universe <laughs> it's a cash car when it's two o'clock on a wednesday you know what time it is it's time to talk about what people believe in what makes him tick why we're on this planet some call me tim here on Mutiny Radio, I am joined today by comedian Sommier, bearded dude, Kelly Evans. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Hi. Also, great radio voice. Excited to have you here. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Some call me Tim. Uh, the reason we call the show, we as in me as in the queen, the reason I call the show Some Call Me Tim is from... Monty Python and the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. and the enchanter, and they say, you know, what is your name? What is your quest? What is your favorite color? And then the guy's like blowing things up. And then they say, some call me Tim. So that's <laughs> why the name of the show, because people seem to be in search for the meaning and the answer to life and all this kind of stuff. And I'm interested in why people stay alive and why what they believe in their afterlife and how they were raised and are they moral and what is morality and 
Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And whatever you believe in. I mean, we had a guy in here who talked, Warhol Kaufman talked for cons- about conspiracy theories for 60 minutes. He talked oh. about why the moon landing is false. And I was like, all right, if that's what you believe in, buddy, I'm going with you. Let's go. All right. That's, yeah. Take the Alternative. train. <laughs> yeah. Someone last night tried to uh, convince me of the... Uh, the flat earth theory and I was like I was like girlfriend I love you but you gotta get off that cocaine okay (laughs) I just don't I don't get that I don't understand how that happens I mean please people are looking for something to believe in so much you know or not believe in you know yeah like when reality is this terrifying I think some people just want to question it at all you know and so that's where stuff like that comes up like you just you look at the world around you and it's confusing and so you're like all right, well it's just I want simpler answers and the simplest answer is I'm being lied to it's a conspiracy. The simplest answer is I'm being lied to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, a com- like a renunciation sure. of complexity, which I think was why there's like an anti-science movement in this country. You know, it's just easier. It's like an easier solution to say that, uh, you know, uh, it's flat Earth, and you know, with almost like I, the the I don't know the reasoning behind it is very questionable and kind of simplistic. Uh, Versus facing the reality that science is complicated, that scientists don't really know uh, everything, and that part of science is experimenting and finding out new things that are uh, maybe somewhat frightening, like the atomic bomb or things like that. Well, things fall at 9.8 meters per second squared, and we call it gravity, but why? It's like because we're tilted on this axis at this certain degree and we're spinning this one direction as this going around this other thing like that there's the concept of like orbital science and mass and it, I mean it's all very heady stuff but yeah. people have figured it out and I I, I guess they figured it out. maybe we're all just lying to each other we're like oh, man, I think I figured it out this way you know could all be a simulation how much oh right all right matrix so usually Kelly Evans I ask people to look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, and I ask you first, mm-hmm. do you believe in Jesus? Uh, as a person, yes. As a divine person, no. He was a guy who walked the earth. Yeah. He's a guy that was there who had, uh, you know, maybe some strong philosophical ideas at a time when uh, there were two very potent power structures between uh, the Hebrew uh, organized religion and the Roman uh, military. And, you know, Interesting. He was a pacifist. He brought out new ideas about that we should all get along. The poor man is king. You know, which right. are all really enticing if you have a boot on your neck. And so, sure. you know, you got to think like, uh, I heard a comedian recently talk about like, oh, it was Neil Brennan talking about how um, like, we killed him <laughs> and he's like his ideas weren't even that complex it's like treat other people like you want to be treated like that seems like a really obvious idea so i mean it's understandable that people would want to make him define i mean and they went to great lengths to make him seem more magical than he really was I mean, the Romans at the time, they were really brutal. Crucifixion is a horrible way to die. Not just because it, and a lot of people are confused. They're like, well, they put the nails in Jesus' hands and feet and then they hung them on a cross. That wasn't the stuff that kills you in crucifixion. You suffocate because of the way that you're hanged. They even give you a little foothold so that you can sort of be alive for a little bit until you're not strong enough and you give up and then you asphyxiate. Your lungs like collapse on itself and that you take a breath and then you let it out and you can't take in another breath. Yeah. And so you people died horrible deaths. Horrible for no for for what reason? Because someone stole something? Yeah. Because, like, or 
I mean, I think burning is also a pretty bad right. way to Drawn go. Drawn and about quartered. Whew. Have you heard what that is? Yeah, they put horses on one. Oh, it's more than that. They do like, they cut out your entrails. They keep you alive. They hang you. They cut you up. They, it's like, it's like uh, everything you could possibly do to a person. I thought and it then, was when they tied a horse to each one of your extremities and then the horses ran in different directions. That's what I thought too, but that's like a small part of it. It's much more, they like cut out your heart while you're still alive. Like it's really, it's very intense. <laughs> I mean, but it wasn't even for like human sacrifice. Can we get all down on the Aztecs for making walls of, you know, human skulls and shit and yeah. and for doing human sacrifice and yet they were at least killing people for a purpose. Like it was to make the sun to god. Yeah. Right. To them, to yeah. make the crops go and to make everybody live, you had to kill some people. There's part of religion right there. <laughs> right, right. But that's like the basic, but then, but when we, when we kill people in such a horrific fashion, like what we did to the witches or what we, what we did to traitors or, I mean, the, all that stuff, all of those torture devices that were used yeah. in the the Catholic Church was using torture devices against not only witches but Muslims yeah. during the Crusades and they would I mean the Iron Maiden is like a thing with spikes in it that Ugh. you put it it's like a helmet with spikes in it that they put on your head so you're like or in your whole body you get inside it and it's like Jesus yeah. Oh, so I was actually yeah. thinking about this outside, kind of talking about uh, the horrible things that we do to one another uh, <laughs> for whatever reasons. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about religion like, uh, oh, well, religion's caused so many wars or religion has caused uh, so much order for society. And I was like, I think religion was just one way to do it. I mean, I, I, it's not like if we didn't have religion, we wouldn't find some other reason to torture or kill each other. It would be over land or some whatever. You know, we found plenty of ways, you know, to, to to do that and it you know i would say overall in the last couple hundred years um like worldwide violence has been reducing poverty has been reducing it's still a long way to go obviously um but like in a time when i think religion is on a decline kind of globally you know what i mean in some respects like there's a scientific element that kind of dominates society more at least western at least society. western sure i i i can agree with the there aren't as many. Well, and also we're in San Francisco, so it's impossible to tell what's really like the the pulse of people's moralistic standpoint. Oh, I try to read world news, which is once again, like who knows what you're really getting. Well, uh, and when you have a moralistic standpoint, it's like, where are you coming from? And for me, I try to keep it deeply personal, but a lot of times it somehow gets extended into something somebody else is doing is evil, but is it really any of your business? Like, why are we calling out the it's the biblical thing of why uh, take the plank out of your own eye before you remove the speck of your brother's eye you know you're yeah. like i'm gonna get the hey you got something over there on your face and it's like you got this huge thing in your face yeah yeah, yeah. You know? i mean that's i think that's a, a theme you see is you know uh those who live in glass houses shouldn't cast stones um but you know regarding judging others i kind of getting into a different territory uh i'm a utilitarian by nature so i think greatest good for the greatest amount of people which unfortunately means some people lose out that does happen but you know more people win i don't want to say use the term winning i hate that term more people uh are able to kind of thrive in life uh than uh with any other possible way that we know of so if you had that age-old question of you've got one person on the tracks and if you can flip the switch either that one person dies or the entire train dies you're killing the one person yeah even well, if it's someone you know let's say your mom's on the tracks or there's a train full of people there's a thousand people on a train 
Yeah. Bitch. Well, there's. And you that. can either kill your mom, or you can, you can kill your mom and have the thousand people live, or you can have the train derail and keep your mom. What do you choose? Yeah. Well, uh, there's two ways that that question is asked. It's like the one is, you know, like my mom's on the tracks, and uh, if I do nothing, then she'll get run over. But if I move the switch, then the train full of people will go off a cliff or something. And the other way that they phrase that is um, like you can stop the train <laughs> theoretically by pushing somebody in front of it um, and then save all those people but you would intentionally murder someone uh, oh! to do it. So that's, that's the, it's, well, I hate the save your mom. It's the fat man in the trolley is what it's called. It's sure. a moral uh, dilemma. Uh, anyway, it, theoretically there's this gigantic man that would be able to stop this train and say, anyway. I'm a size so I said, kill that fat fucker. <laughs> I would, uh, I mean, as far as like, if my mom's on the tracks, you know, uh, I love you, mom, but I, you know, I got, it's, it's a hard decision it's to make. For the, it's for the, it's for the thousand people. But a thousand people is a lot of people that die just for one. I mean, I would make that sacrifice myself. You know, if I'm on the tracks, I would not expect anybody to save my life and dispel of, you know, another thousand individuals. I mean, even maybe, five more people. Maybe you know? that's the most moralistic answer to the story is push your mom out of the way and have yourself die the yeah. self the sacrifice that's what jesus would do there you go and then he'd turn the other cheek he'd Amen. resurrect and he'd do it again <laughs> i don't have that ability no though. i don't want to do any or maybe we do uh, i mean who knows Only one way to find out right right <laughs> like the afterlife is does it i mean that that collectively we all sort of and we don't all sort of want to believe in an afterlife there's so many different religions that choose you know different scenarios for what happens after our earthly demise and i don't fucking understand i don't know what happens to i i mean consciousness is weird because i sleep a lot <laughs> and yeah. i'm unconscious and i've drunk a lot oh but my yeah. body's still awake and going when i'm drunk i just don't my my brain's not creating memories so where did i go well that, was that, i there right this is an interesting idea i think about this a lot because i'm i'm honest to be honest i'm terrified of death at this point i'm getting more comfortable with it uh as i get a little bit older um but uh, i'm just that it's and it's not so much being dead it's like the transition that scares me you know right, right, and then like right. where where is the line like if i get hit by a car and then i lose like a good portion of brain functioning like am i still me like what happens to me like what what is that you know and then so i you know i would consider myself uh, god I, I a deist probably i believe that there's some sort of creative force in the universe but there's no possible way we could ever understand it or if there is an intention i mean intention is something that we assign to will which i just don't know if that's really applicable in this situation anyway so intelligent design you believe in intelligent design you think that there's something out there that is a created the cogs that make the wheels turn i believe in evolution i believe in science i believe in the big bang but i believe that uh there's some sort of force behind that you know and but what that is i have no idea so a I would, giant I would, black hole yeah it could be that yeah it <laughs> could, could be that could be i mean the thing is there's so much that we don't understand about the world around us physical reality like this is we have like a sliver of perception of what's really going on and to think that like we could understand like the forces behind that are at work it just makes no sense now when people assign a will to that is like that's what you want sure which you know people use that for different reasons some of them are productive i guess well yeah that makes me think about projecting your own will that's like 
Satanism kind of stuff, like whatever you believe is real and you, anything you create, you like selfishness is the ultimate goal because you mm-hmm. ultimately have to serve yourself and rather than the, rather than the group of the whole, do you find, do you find yourself in your life trying to thinking about service and thinking about helping other people or, or do you feel more like you're taking care of yourself and that's, that's it. That's all you need. I think it varies on the day, you know, I, I, I want to try to help others in whatever way I can and the moments that I have an opportunity, but, uh, yeah, I mean, taking care of yourself is a struggle, you know, I'm, you know, I don't have like a really, uh, great safety net, you know, like I don't have a rich family or, uh, anyone I can kind of go back home, like, and I'm not going back to Texas, so <laughs> I refuse back. to do that, you know, not going back. So you'd yeah, need, yeah. You need a, a costume. You'd need a MAGA hat. You'd need, you'd have to <laughs> yeah, I'm going undercover. Yeah. You'd have to shave your beard or make it bigger and you'd have to get a MAGA hat yeah. and uh, Zach Wiseman uh, is in the house hey, he, he looks Zach. like he has something to say nope okay. all right he's good just to gonna see come you. Gonna sit hang down. out good to see you hey hello uh so are you uh are you in a relationship with any people are you I single? am actually you are so I'm you do think about other people on it on a yeah basis. no no, no. and that's what I'm saying relationships like, you're in you know I, I guess what I'm trying to differentiate between is like the small things I can do. Like I, uh, I periodically have conversations with, uh, you know, a group of people that I'm friends with and like if somebody's down or there's some sort of conflict. I want to try to help out to resolve that and like get everybody to get along and, you know, so we can all be the great people that we are without getting hung up on like small things that don't really matter in the long run. Uh, Voice so, of reason, Kelly Evans. Uh, dropping in like an angel. <laughs> so, I don't know if I'd go that far. All right. Anyway, uh, but like... As far as the world at large, like, uh, admittedly, am I uh, volunteering at a homeless shelter? No, I could do more. You know, I could. And I feel that. And, you know, honestly, I do feel guilty sometimes that I don't do more. I think that you should really go on a pilgrimage into the Tenderloin and find that person with a space bag and take away that space bag of Franzia and replace it with a nice 97 Clodeval. (laughs) You can take the Franzia out of their hand and you can replace it with even, you know, like... Doing God's work. Doing God's work. Giving them the better wine. You know what I mean? Like... It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. <laughs> what blood? Uh, yeah, it's what a fine 89, blood? you know? Mm. Was, that, was that a good year? I Hey, I like sure. 95 was a really great year for Clodeval Cabernet. I enjoyed it nice. very much. It's an expensive bottle. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's a long time ago now. Shit is pricey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. You know, here's here's my special deal. This is somebody on the bacon the other day was like, Sue, when you're going to Napa, like, tell me some wine. Oh, it was broke ass Stewart. Tell me some wineries that you like really like to go to in Napa. And I said, the downtown Napa Safeway. <laughs> That's exactly where you fucking go. Every time I go to Napa, I don't actually go wine tasting anymore yeah. because I went to Clodeval a long time ago and I had two free. Pa- One of our buddies had passes from something. And so we, they were like $50. It's like 50 bucks to taste there now, right? And then they give you like a discount on your bottle of wine or whatever. But the, it was a $52 bottle of Cabernet. And and then we went to Safeway and the same exact bottle, same exact vintage was 32 And mm-hmm. if you bought six bottles of any wine, you got 20% off. So you could wow. logistically fuck the wineries, go to, go to the Safeway in the middle of Napa and right next door yeah. is the BevMo and you can actually have a fun time. It's actually a fun afternoon because not yeah. only do both places have wine tastings, they have extensive, extensive selections and then you can compare prices from store to store and actually get the better deal. Yeah, yeah. And okay. it's great stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. I just want to add something to this because this is something I do as a career uh, or as a job, whatever you want to look at it as. Um, I think it's like Napa, God, Napa is like such a weird micro 
microcosm of a very large world of wine, and I don't want people to think it represents like how most wine is produced, because like most wine in the world, you know, you go to like some small producer, it's their house, you know, it's like what their family's been doing for a long time, you know, they're kind of scraping by, they're not making tons of money, they're down to earth people, they'll invite you in, they'll feed you some charcuterie, you know, they'll pour some awesome wine that's like, you know, whatever they have around, and that's how, you know, it's not bougie, it's not like you know, kind of ridiculous. Uh, I think there's just been so much money infused in Napa that it's like now the only people who have wineries or can buy wineries there now are like CEOs of Doritos or former tech millionaires. And so you get that in there and then, you know, money changes a lot of things. Sonoma's a little better depending on where you go, especially if you get out to the coast. Like you just, there are good people out there. That's why I don't really like pursue the career with that much force anymore is because it's like, I just don't want to wade through all the kind of uh ridiculous uh myopic like uber rich people that like sure. that's all that they're just kind of like oh oakland is scary why would you go there I was yeah like, right well dry creek valley i was enjoyed very much and healdsburg kind of the northern sonoma e areas yeah, yeah. yeah why what but what but i almost i almost got into selling wine in my early 30s uh being a wine merchant for a large distributor what what made you go and I love fucking wine, but what made you go like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to be a sommelier. Uh, ooh, yeah. I, you know, I'm the type of person that takes a little bit of backstory. It's the type of person who've like, I've, I float around between a lot of things. Like, what do I want to do? You know, like in college, of course, like a lot of people, I pursued a lot of different interests. Uh, I was originally working towards a degree in political science and history and <laughs> wanted to work. Make money someday. So you dumped that shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Some people actually are idealists. At least I was an idealist at the time. You know, I want. I know, I know. <laughs> he booed at you me. You got a boo. Uh, I got a boo. Uh... It, but, you know, like, I was insane. I was really, like, if you talked to me, like, you would have been, like, you are way too intense. Like, you got to calm down a bit. Because uh, I was, About like, history and politics and about, about like, yeah, civil and, like, rights. changing and- the world and, like, that, you know, the economic structure is not fair to people. Having, you know, grown up in a household that, you know, struggled with debt especially and then, you know, buying food and whatever. Um you know, like it's a personal thing for me. And so I felt like as an intelligent person, it was my responsibility to like sacrifice my own happiness in order to help others. But you know, that's very Jesus like, yeah, it's a bit extreme at the time. Uh, but I, I, you can't, that's so nice. You were trying to save everybody, but it's like, you can't sustain that because I wasn't happy and I was eating, I was popping Vicodins like Tic Tacs. And so I had a problem, you know, you were giving so much of yourself that you weren't giving yourself anything. Exactly. I crashed and burned and and then I went back to the restaurant industry because I've worked in and out of the restaurant industry since I was 18. And, uh, yeah, you know, I just like after kind of like basically, hitting rock bottom and like dissolving my identity you know i was like rebuilding that i kind of stumbled into it and you have to uh, back up what happened there you, uh, i mean where, what is rock bottom for you were you it was the vicodin was the opiates uh it went way further than that i won't get into too much detail but let's just say like i burned through like ten thousand in about six months that's like a lot of my student loan money that i took out wow. i uh i like had a falling out with some friends that kind of like basically in between that and like, but it was drugs. It wasn't gambling or something like that. No, it was drugs. It was, it was drugs. drugs. Yeah. 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 Uh, which because you were trying to escape from something. 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, like a lot of people, I think that's the case. You know, I just wanted to feel good. I think especially with opiates, it started as like, I have anxiety problems and it started as the one thing I was like, oh, wow, that just like, I'm not anxious at all. I'm comfortable. I can talk to people. I'm friendly. I'm fun. Like just things are popping off the top of my head, you know, like I should be able to do when I can like ease my uptightness. Um, And then it just, then I, because of what was happening in my life and realizing that I didn't want to pursue this career in politics, I didn't like the people that I was quote unquote friends with. Um, I realized that they weren't really going to have my back. And then like a longtime friend kind of betrayed me for a girl that I dated in high school, like high school love story, whatever. You're just a drama magnet. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I guess my personality. Uh, I am an Aries. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Um, But uh, yeah. So, you know, just everything kind of like clicked in at the same point and I just went off the deep end and I had some, I had a couple people that I used to work with who were like kind of in that world. And so I went very, very deep and uh, uh, went to jail very briefly. <gasps> really? Yeah, I got deferred education, luckily enough. Um, I still have an arrest on my record, but I can get it expunged. I'm telling a lot right now. Yeah, you are. Hey, I have, hey. I've been arrested. Ain't no shame in the game. No, 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 I yeah. had a DUI. I mean, there's... There's all kinds of things yeah. that happen. But I still had, uh, you know, it was. It took it like another year before I really like, you know, my mom had a brain aneurysm and I realized like I may have Whoa. to be responsible. Yeah, I have a little sister too. So I was like, I maybe have to be responsible for another person. Sure. Like I need to get my shit together. Oh, aneurysms are so weird. They come out of nowhere. One of my buddies, crazy. One yeah. of my buddies was 42 and he died of an aneurysm. He was alive and then his wife found him dead. Nothing, no change. He just, she came home and he was slumped over his computer and she was like, oh. Yeah, it was, he was gone, and there was no. And the doctor said there was nothing she could have known. There's nothing they could have done. He would just been to the doctor two months ago. They didn't see anything. Nothing was anything. It just happens. Yeah, it's like this crazy much. silent killer, and you're like, what? Like, yeah. maybe it's a good way to go though, because it's so quick. It's like all of a sudden, poof. You know, the big bright light comes. You see God, and you're gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was uh, my sister's birthday, and like. <gasps> I was outside smoking a cigarette, and then uh, we were at her friend's house, and they're like, hey, something's wrong with your mom, and I come in, and she's on the ground, uh, went to the hospital, had brain surgery, all that, and they said out of the type of uh, uh, aneurysm she had, like 50% of people die immediately, and then like out of those people that make it, 50% of people have major traumatic brain injuries because um, it's called because a brain aneurysm is another word for a stroke yeah well it's it's similar it's a brain bleed essentially uh, you know so you get blood on your brain which you're not supposed to have and then that causes that. you to uh, it basically shuts a bunch of shit down so sure. um which can vary depending on where it happens in your brain. Uh, but yeah, whereas uh, a stroke is a blockage, so you're not getting oxygen to that portion oh. of the brain. So that's why it's easier. More people survive strokes typically than aneurysms. Uh, not, I don't know exact numbers on that, because but I'm not the, a doctor. Right, because <laughs> of the weird blood seeping through yeah. all your little cranial bits. Yeah, anyway, but so, so uh, you know, that kind of like forced me into a perspective where I was like, all right, I'm an adult. I need to act like an adult. I need to get my shit together. And like, I'm hurt everyone else around me so i got clean i started working at a restaurant did you use of, jesus to get clean no, no not no. at all what I about 12 step program do not like 12 step AA, no you were like no. fuck it no higher power fuck the higher power i it's can do this even, on my own i mean this par- is me problem i'm not submitting to a higher power i'm not going to say i'm powerless to drugs i'm going to say i do have power against drugs and i'm going to make choices to not do them anymore that's a big so part it was, of it's kind of like the opposite of aa yeah that's a big part of aa that bothered me in na was that you have to submit it's a submission 
Yeah, you know. the very first step is you have to admit that you're powerless over the or the drug has power yeah. over you and you are a powerless human being and uh, choose exactly. one. Exactly. I think your your power ranges depending on the, the day of the week. I think some days you are <laughs> in control and some days you're not and it's your job to be aware when you're slipping and then just do whatever you can to prevent you from making the wrong decision in that moment. Peanut Gallery Zach Wiseman has a comment about drugs. Uh, never stop doing them. This guy's a loser. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, I think a lot of drug problem comes with from like uh, not teaching people coping mechanisms, and um, yeah. that submission to like a higher power thing isn't necessarily like I didn't understand this for a long time because uh, it they push it as God, yeah. but like uh, I do a lot of hallucinogens, so I understand it in that fashion. Like, and also so did the uh, the whoever the founders of AA, they were very uh, yeah. acid guys, and it's like. Uh, it's realizing that you're a fucking puny thing and that these problems are kind of minuscule. It's like a framing thing, more or less, you know? And I don't think, I mean, you don't need a God thing, but it is, it's good for your mental health for whatever reason. Yeah. To have a God thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good for your mental health to have a God thing? Yeah. I think that real. varies. I think it varies person to person. I Also, uh, God to God. Like, uh, okay, the tr- Christian God, uh, he loves you no matter what, you know, all loving, blah, blah, blah. To think, like, this is what I do to get good at stuff. I hate myself. And I make something, and it's good, but it's not that good. And I could do better, you piece of shit. You better fucking do better. Uh, and that makes me get better. I get better at stuff. But I'm also miserable. Sounds like the voice of uh, a dad, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's maybe, like a stepdad for me. Yeah. But um, if you take that same equation, and then you put an all-loving God in there, it, it like, totally dissipates all the fucking, like, hate I have for myself. Because this yeah. guy loves me, and I'm, you know, doing... And he's fine with it. And it's like a, it's like a little loophole in that system. Yeah. Listen, I'm no Bill Maher. I'm not, like, anti people's belief in religion and and i think aa works for people who use aa i was just saying personally for me actually like good good job that was my thought process at the time and still today now i definitely embrace therapy as an option having somebody else who is a a rational sensible person kind of being able to give you perspective on what's going on in your life and be like okay you know just as a metric uh that's fucked up you need to do like not in that is language is that how you got out of the hole was through therapy no no actually it was just i just you you i just did it on my own you I bootstrapped fucking bootstrapped it. Yeah. it you're like yeah. i'm yeah, gonna you. get this done yeah that's insane but i don't know if you that's necessarily the best way to do it you know sure. like, but it worked for you like i want to take therapy now but it's every time i've tried to go to a therapist i've always been very dissatisfied with the results like i went to a therapist in college and she just like stared at me vacantly but i went to like a, a child therapist after my grandmother died it was like kind of like oh everything's gonna be all right i was like i never really like i went to a couple therapists uh, since then and it's just like the, with, it never clicked but the thing is like rather than give up on it i just need to find the right person sure you know? sure i think a lot of therapists like voyeurs or just like too supportive which doesn't help you know, yeah if you're all everything's good then why am i fucking here? yeah why yeah, yeah exactly. why am i giving you 175 dollars an hour if everything is great yeah i don't want it's okay i want like okay here yeah you have a problem but you know let's talk about it and here's like a constructive way to look at the world yeah so wine good opiates bad how much wine do you say you drink (laughs) wine is your job i mean that's why i couldn't ever be in the wine industry is i i'm not an alcoholic i'm a drunk yeah so like i loved i fucking loved i love drinking i love day drinking i love drinking for 14 hours at a time i love it when i can start in the morning at like 11 with some whiskey and coffee and i just kind of go whiskey and water and then i start to beer and then when the sun goes down i don't drink any more whiskey and i can drink all day long and even almost until like 11, 12 at night. I'm a little older now, so maybe we'll say 10. So I can do like, you know, 11 hours of solid drinking and I love it. 
<laughs> uh, but I don't think I have a problem. Because I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do it all the time. But you switched, like, how much... If That's why I couldn't have a job, because I'd be like... I'd constantly drink wine. Yeah. I just... I, I fucking love that shit. So your addictive personality didn't, didn't bleed over into alcohol? No. Well, here's the... Well, for a couple reasons. Do you think it was situational? It's, mostly? No, it's just really specific to opiates. I think okay. it's really specific yeah, to opiates. I Like, everybody... I, not everybody. Some people have a drug of choice, DOC, yeah. if mm-hmm. you've heard the acronym. Um, and that was mine. That was right, mine. Yeah, so, yeah. And that's my weakness. You know, and not that I haven't done other drugs habitually, but I've never been like, I can't control it. You right. know? I just this love is it like, so much. I can't control it. Right. You know? sure. So, and that's why it's, why it's dangerous. With alcohol specifically like I like the negative effects outweigh the positive effects for me so and much immediate specifically the feeling like shit and like hangovers hit me really hard and really quickly like I could be drinking and already start having a headache Oof. like even after a couple hours of drinking Oof. now I like to drink a little bit I like I feel like uh, just like a little bit of alcohol kind of like you know loosens me up just the right amount mm. you know I feel I feel comfortable um but like too much just it takes it too far for me so i that's that's why i've been able to control it and honestly this is gonna sound a bit ironic but uh, i don't really drink that much wine anymore mainly because it like gets me way worse of a hangover than anything else i stick to to gin i stick to gin mostly and i drink mostly white wine if i do drink wine interesting yeah so what's what what do you recommend to people do you do you like doing it like it's because you're dealing with people that have lots of money yeah sometimes i mean not always i also work at a wine bar right now and, uh, that, and i like that because it's more casual yeah. um you know i i also do wine tours and honestly I, I enjoy that the most right now just because i get like a long conversation with people over eight hours versus like a short interaction sure but i think if honestly if i was going to stay in the industry i'd rather just like open a wine bar and just have us be super casual low price wine people just come right. and like eat and hang out and get a little tipsy and just have like it's about the people not so much the wine i think what i recommend to people people's based on what they like i think i know what uh, a balanced wine like just from studying and drink and like tasting and drinking and educating myself i know how to evaluate things that are like this is quality and this isn't but there's like a wide range and like it just like comedy just like art just like anything a lot of it's subjective a lot of it's what you prefer i think food and drink especially are subjective because everybody has different tastes some people like to eat like nothing but asparagus all day long <laughs> while other people are like i need a steak immediately you know so um you know, what I recommend is like, I just a conversation. I ask them, do you like something like fruit forward or, or dry or whatever? Some basic questions and that kind of gets me Okay, there. so what's like a great uh, $10 bottle of like dry Merlot? Oh, I don't even know Merlots, man. I like I, Merlots are so. Uh, Pinot then, Pinot then. Pinot. Merlot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, $10, I don't know. You probably find Deloche. I don't think that's too expensive. The problem with Pinot Deloche, is yeah. Pinot Noir is super expensive right now uh, just because of Randy. a stupid movie called Sideways. Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, I have mixed feelings about the movie. The movie was decently made. You know, Paul Giamatti, love the guy. All right. But, um, you know, basically that killed Merlot and that basically like uh, boosted Pinot sales. So now Pinot, it's like impossible to find it for like less than $30 a bottle. Sure. If it's, if it's good. But well, you can it's find also the what, Willamette Valley and the special things where the, where yeah. the, it's like coastal, but not like the, the, the fog comes in just right yeah. over the wine vines and it <laughs> makes this perfect climate for the Pinot Noir. Yeah. Honestly, I recommend European wines mostly to people because yeah. you can get por- you get wine from Portugal, you can get wine from Eastern Europe, you get wine from certain areas of Italy. Super cheap, yeah. really quality, great stuff, easy to drink. Like that's that's where I had because they're lesser known areas. The more popular something is, yeah. the more expensive it gets. That's how wine works. And like in another ten years, it'll be something else that's too expensive to buy. So we'll find something else. But like there's an entire world of people growing wine. They're growing wine in Uruguay, Brazil. They're growing wine all over the world right now. Sure. Like. Some 
something else. Really great wines. Yeah, yeah. Something else will come along and and and, and be great and inexpensive. I mean, that's kind of how restaurants work. Is you know, you got a bottom line, you need to make money. So you buy something that's like cheap but good, and then it gets popular because you have a trendy restaurant, mm-hmm. and then and you then can't people, buy that anymore. Yeah. And you buy something else. Uh, I just I came back from. Uh, Italy and Greece, and it was amazing how inexpensive wine was at the store. You could spend yeah. like three euros on a bottle, and you'd have an amazing bottle. I mean, we were spending like I was looking at it, and I'm like, what about this one? It's it's euro fifty. It was like we, yeah. it was insane. The wine was almost cheaper than water. It, it yeah, was. Yeah, you find garbage wines for like eighty nine euro cents. Yeah, like, it was like gas yeah. But it was. I, I was just so impressed. We drank. We drank a lot of wine. Uh, why? Do you think historically has wine been considered sacrificial? And what's the whole thing with Jesus and the blood of him being wine? And what do you, why do you think these rituals sort of have evolved around wine? Well, rituals have always been important. Do you, you know Joseph Campbell? I uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, big fan of Joseph Campbell. Uh, and, you know, he talks a lot about this as, as specifically as it, as it pertains to uh, uh, Native American or uh, American indigenous tribes and, uh, you know, and also... Um, any sort of pagan tribes. Uh, ritual is a huge part of religion. The Catholic religion kind of brought in a lot of that as well. And because uh, it is what kind of differentiates normal reality from this like spiritual experience. And so it delineates the difference between I'm just outside eating a sandwich and I'm in here having a moment with God right now. And somebody's <laughs> like connecting us. So that's really what it's about. I think, you know, it could have been anything. Why is it wine? I just think because wine was such a part of Western culture at that point, you know, the Greeks really kind of kicked it off and the Romans kept that up. And then, uh, it just, you know, anywhere where the Romans were, there was wine. And so, you know, uh, spread out all over Europe. Exactly. And then then the Catholics basically took, I don't say took their place, but... Well, Roman Catholic. Came in and... (laughs) Well, came in as the new power structure somewhat. But what really what happened is, um, you know, the Romans were uh, a a government essentially a political body uh and not a religious one and like they didn't really care what you did religiously you know there are plenty of different gods right, pontius worship. Pilate was like you guys want to kill this guy you want to keep gonna call him the king of the jews you want to kill him uh, okay cool yeah whatever yeah, i'll do it sure i'm your yeah, man sure whatever yeah um whereas uh oh god what was i saying oh yeah so where the catholics came in and uh they had divine authority but there was still like different government governmental bodies i mean not at first but by the time you get to like a, a, a that 1000 ad 1066 the battle of hastings you know and like the catholic church has spread out enough they you know the kings are really controlling that area working with them but you know there were times when they went against the catholic church you know they had a great schism you know you had the false pope well they he, the one guy wanted to get a divorce from his wife the king and he was like that's Henry fuck VIII. your church yeah. i'm gonna get a divorce we're now gonna have, call it a new church Exactly. Your rules are dumb. I'm the king. Whereas if they were like the <laughs> government, then they could just uh, stamp out a rebellion, you know. But they had to rely on the fear of different monarchs to do their bidding. Does knowing history for realsies, because you actually studied it, does it scare the fuck out of you what's going on right now in our world? Uh, I mean, I'm always scared. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like historically speaking, I don't know. Sure. Um, I think what scares me more is... Uh, like we we're not evolved, you know. I think our ideas may have evolved, but we as emotional people are not evolved, and technology has greatly evolved. And I think it's it's evolving faster than we can comprehend it, which mm. means accidents will happen. How mm-hmm. big those accidents are going to be, I don't know. I know a lot of bad shit's going to happen, 
but a lot of good shit's gonna happen too it's just like do <laughs> yeah. we make it or not i don't know this is like the period in society where we determine if the human race continues yeah, or we right fall there. off I, yeah. I realized the other day we're closer to like the biblical fucking apocalypse than like we have fucking a uh, machine that rips holes in space time you know the, the mark of the beast shit is I was watching a video, and so uh, Facebook hired uh, one of the, like one of their lead tech people is uh, like a former DARPA uh, mm-hmm. operative, whatever. Yeah. And they said the brain chip is going to be out by 2020. It's like within a year they're going to be brain chipping people. Brain uh, chipping. Brain chip. What is Talking that? Talking about like mean? neural lace, yeah, like yeah, what yeah. Elon Musk was talking about. Mm-hmm. He's like, like amping up your uh, ability to process information. Shit, to yeah. yeah, the future basically. There's a few different theories as far as like where we go. Do we merge with technology? Does technology supplant us? Does do we like basically become technology, or do we like advance biologically, like through nanotech or something like that? So there's a bunch of competing branches of science right. Right now for like what futurists believe will but be what about what just the human race will being like. like human what about like getting back to like body hair or something yeah you know those what, people, I mean? what about like what about embracing you. all like the the organic nature that we've been trying to negate for so long and saying that no negation of this let's actually be human and what it means to be human and not try to what is does uh, hormone does, like, therapy and drug therapy and what, yeah. what about like uh, DNA alteration or gene, gene splicing shit? It's Pandora's box. I'm not it's into out that already. shit either. I mean, the farthest I'll go is putting like baby blood on my face. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's to, to stay young forever. But I'm <laughs> yeah, not gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to like. But like donated, you know? Gene, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's say this. If my buddy. Can't just take was, baby blood. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's let's say that let's say that um, Zach Weisman got in a horrible accident and they were gonna chop his leg off. But uh-huh. if I had a baby and then gave it an abortion and then we could give those stem cells to make you have a leg again, I'd do that. I'd I'd, I'd have a baby and murder it for Fuck you. Fuck yeah. So that you could wow. that's like that's, that's your that's, baby to murder. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But that's but that's because it's I'm actually using the genetics. I don't want to like take out genes and splice them and blah blah blah. I'm like if if I can give you if I can make cells inside my body with like magic of birth and right. then like somehow scientists can use it to save somebody else my aborted fetus i'm um, like fuck yeah so like they don't they're, they're finding new places to get stem cells from so if they don't need they stem don't cells need, from your yeah. baby would you still kill your baby for me depend what you need me to kill it for do you need it or does this like i mean a, i don't want a baby anyway so like i wouldn't really just night, have a baby to kill it but <laughs> fresh squeezed baby blood you just stay young forever all right, all right, we're, we're, we're off the trail. I apologize, I do this. It uh, takes us off the trail. Uh, but, yeah, do you think abortions are moralistically wrong, or do you take no stance? Uh, I think, I mean, I think in some sort of situations, abortions could be considered moralistically right. Yeah! You know? um, Kelly Evans. Listen, I, uh, I know people don't like to hear this, but, like, overpopulation is an actual thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now that... First world societies are kind of moving into a negative birth rate. That's great, but that wasn't always the case. And, you know, a big reason why we're not currently in the red right now, like at the moment, and we're still moving towards it, is that China instituted a one-child policy. Now, Mm. whether you agree with that or not, or there's a lot of negative aspects of that for sure. It's probably the most ethical way to curb uh, curb population, though. But if it wasn't that, then we would have another billion or more people on this planet. Probably more. There there are millions of of undocumented Chinese for sure didn't their parents had one child yep. and then they had another Kept and they've the been living in secret and thank God all Chinese people look the same I'm sorry that was <laughs> because they've hidden in the cracks I'm kidding they they don't all look the same to each other though that's the question. I don't know to each other I think they but there are there are millions of people who were born 
after the the, the one child yeah. rule and they don't have passports yeah. they don't have birth certificates they don't technically exist and they're still there and they're alive yeah. so well, what are we is that in addition to that they're kidnapping women from neighboring countries like Vietnam because Oof. you know they they treasure uh, having a boy over having a girl. So now there's like way more men in China than there yes, are women. Seventy like percent men or something. It's well, it's terrifying. But not it's even like just for sex. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, for yeah. Uh, for marriage. Like to like imprison them into marriage. Uh, thank God a lot of them escape and there's resources on Jesus. the other side of like northern Vietnamese border for them. But it's just like I mean there's pl- there's a lot of stuff wrong with that what happened with that policy unintended consequences and this goes back to what i was saying about technology it's like we make decisions that are life-changing or society changing mm-hmm. and we don't understand the implications of them until 20 or 30 years later and, and by then it may be too late i 100 percent agree with that because right now uh i'm i'm 44 i don't know how old you are but um when when I was in the 80s, I remember when Ritalin started becoming very popular with kids at school. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that the kids wanted it, it's the parents and the teachers, and they said, put this kid on Ritalin. Yeah. And then we put, we systematically put an entire generation of people on baby methamphetamine that they've been taking for 20 plus years now. It's just we, amphetamines. It's just amphetamines. Well, I, th- I, feel, like, I feel like it's for <laughs> It really babies. is. I feel, like, I feel like the Ritalin is like, it's safe for babies. Like, yeah. it's safe it's to just, take because it's Adderall. It's, it's a for different babies. molecule. That's it. It's a yeah, slightly it's like, different molecule. It's that's basically it. the same thing. It, yeah. Right. So, with we have years of unchecked methamphetamine use and what's going to start happening? Are we going to start seeing a lot of people that require kidney dialysis? Like what's happening? What are the health problems of the people in my age range and a little bit younger that are going to start cropping up because we didn't have the foresight. We're like mm. fucking shut those kids up in class. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> make the them docile. Don't teach them. Just make them shut yeah. up. Give them these drugs. And then with that usage over time, what happens? Yeah. Well, I mean, two things. One, sure. I mean, amphetamines are a huge problem, but look at fucking sugar in this country. Uh, like, you know, yeah. sugar. You want to talk about kidney dialysis? Like, that's a big reason. Absolutely. You know, diabetes because of that, uh, leading to kidney dialysis. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, the reason why people are pumping their kids full of amphetamines is because the way that we educate is from yeah. the 1800s. All right? right, we don't use anything else from the 1800s. We're not using horses and buggies. <laughs> you know, things have moved forward, but somehow we still have an education system that uses the banking method. It makes absolutely no sense for the current technology or where the future is going, or like, or just in terms of how people learn things. Exactly, like it, none of it makes sense. You know, people want to move around because they're curious. They want uh-huh. to interact with the world. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to just shut up. And you, you could just take kids and be like, "What do you like?" And he's like, I like Pokemon cards. And I'm like, all right, we can teach you most of this stuff through Pokemon yeah, cards. Math. Yeah, math. You can teach math through Pokemon you cards. Teach Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah. the future is gamification, like basically like VR education, yeah. where it's like it's a game that you're involved in, and that's how you learn history or whatever you want to learn mm-hmm. is by interacting. And the thing is, the algorithm, this is the one thing about technology that I do like, is the algorithm can learn from how you respond to things. So if you do really well with one like method of education, then it starts reinforcing that. Yeah. And so then you start learning at a faster rate, and it's more effective mm-hmm. more efficient i like the 1800 like shit yep. fuck these kids <laughs> fuck these little babies that i'm bored in school i can't sit still you know what i couldn't either i was an adhd kid and i wanted to raise my hand all the time and i wanted to jump around and i just sat there and i fucking took it and it made me a smarter person and a better person 
I think that it's too, we make it too easy. Oh, do you not want to read a book? Why don't we give you a video game to play so you can learn? How about shut the fuck up and learn? How about memorize shit? Kids don't memorize anything anymore. This is why we have that shit, though. It's like that frustration. And I think a lot of that is born out of like, well, this is the way I did it, so this is the way you should do it. But we got to let that shit go. That's too conservative an attitude. Certain things we have to be liberal about. Certain things we have to be conservative about. I think one thing to be liberal about is like, you know, how do we, what's the best way to go forward? If something works better, you should probably just do that. Yeah. And like, and I think if people, if kids can't sit still and they did, you know, like maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah. I think that the yeah. thing is, and I've, and I found this with, uh, cause I used to manage a restaurant and the thing you learn is like when you have to make decisions for other people is like, sometimes you're wrong, you know, and you got to <laughs> let that shit go mm-hmm. real quick. And the thing is, if you hold on to it too much, everybody thinks you're an asshole and right. you probably are an asshole because you don't want to listen to other people's thoughts or opinions or try something that might actually work. But you're right all the time. I mean, it's hard to be right all the time. Yeah. It's yeah, And you it's can't, impossible. you can't die on every hill. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if people are gonna Jesus you, you can't you can't die on every hill you got to choose your battles yeah yeah, yeah. sorry i didn't mean to yell no 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 <laughs> yelling is great i Absolutely. i mean i constantly i have a i have a rant on every show it isn't a show unless i rant about something nice uh so you feel you feel like you're balanced now you feel like all the addiction is behind you the future is now everything's going to be okay for Kelly Evans? Uh, I don't know if I go that far. I, th- I don't think the addiction is ever behind you. I think it's always there. I think the one thing AA does have is like, you know, it's always present. You have to be aware of it. Like I was saying, yeah. you have good days and bad days. And it's just like knowing where that line is and just knowing what the, like, I know what the danger signs are now for my behavior. And uh, I avoid those at all costs. Like, it's like, I'm not going to hang out with these people. I'm not going to do this. I'm, recognizing the feelings is like, exactly. it's the biggest part of most things. Well, it's like panic attacks. I started having panic attacks about like four years ago. Oh. And like, I don't have them anymore. And I haven't had one for a couple years. Watch, I'm gonna have one tomorrow. But like, because I, I started recognizing what the signs were leading up to them and the things that were, you know, making me feel that way and making me so anxious. And then I was able to start like rerouting what I was doing mentally to avoid that, you know. Yeah. So are other people not able to become healthy because they're just not using self-examination? Is it? I think there's a lot of uh, people yeah. lying to themselves. There's. That. I think there's a huge amount of that. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Nobody knows what the fucking cure is for addiction stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was a drunk for, like, a good number of years. Like, most of my life I've been a fucking drunk. And uh, I'm, I'm not a drunk anymore. And not like I abstain from alcohol. And I didn't go to AA. I just did a bunch of acid. And it, like, fucking, it, like, I don't have that monster in me anymore. Yeah. It's very, I don't know how to explain it, but it functioned. I mean, I just don't fucking, I'll have four drinks. I'll have six drinks. And I just don't want to, I don't want it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to presume to have the answer for everyone. I think it's different depending on yeah, who you are. I think a big part that helps me is that I feel like I have something to like uh, look forward to and yeah. live for. Like I have people that I care about, you know, um, and that really helps. And it's like I want to. It's not just me. Like if I feel like I'm alone in the world and I'm just like floating in the ether, then I'd probably be more likely to just say fuck it. But sure. because right. I'm not, um, that helps a lot. So you just have to find someone or something that like yeah, you know. A reinforcer for you like you know the, i care about these people and i want to you know maintain you do, yeah. a relationship with them or this thing like comedy i think is another thing that i'm 
like really excited about now and like being a comedian is like I finally like feel like I've like I've never been one of those people that like oh like Johnny plays a piano or like somebody's really good at acting or yeah. whatever I've never had that thing huh. and it's like it feels like that thing for me like it's like how long God, you been it's comedy? like not even that long like uh, on stage four and a half five months uh, but I've been writing since yeah. June so cool, cool. but it's like it's nothing's really felt like that right he's funny know? yeah cool you know it feels good he has a good voice and a good presentation on stage it doesn't it doesn't hurt that he's um you know he's good looking gay nah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's new he but he works yeah. Yeah, i see him he grinds he's there at hotel utah every week yep. Dope. shows up here i mean and the thing i appreciate about you is that you're new and you're funny, but you, you don't have an ego yet about it. Like where there are some people who are new that are like, I'm so great at this. Oh God, Why aren't no. you booking me? I'm so great at this. And you're like, I'm doing my thing. I'm writing jokes. You come with new material. You come with jokes. Yeah. You work them out. And you're calm on stage and you don't give off that vibe of like, like me, like me, like me. You're like, here's what I'm presenting to you. Yeah. I mean, that's all I can do. <laughs> well, that's why I like it. It's like, it's an opportunity. Like I feel like more free and honest right now than I've felt in a long time. Yeah. Because like working at restaurants and managing people, you have to like cut off a huge part of your personality and mm-hmm. it just it was like it was like strangling me i felt like su- like i was suffocating so it's like now i feel like i can breathe again and like you know just being honest on stage and trying to find the funny in life and you know not to say that's like i'm gonna do some stupid hacky shit periodically Everybody. but it's a learning process Everybody. you know like you won't like, even realize it's some of the hacky shit and then like a year later you're exactly like, uh, it's tom <laughs> tom's shoes jesus what am i doing no, i it's, uh, seriously my first year and a half I had this joke that was a joke that derived from a bar joke so it literally was completely hack but I used it because it worked every time yeah, and it was so hacky and I didn't understand what hack was until I was at a show at the uh, Black Repertory Theater and there was a comedian who'd been doing it much longer than I had and she said to me I, I did a joke where the where the punchline was uh, business in the front party in the back and it was about my uh, butt hair and not shaving my butt hair and it being very long and voluminous and after I got off stage this particular comic she walked up to me and she goes I've had that business in the front party in the back joke for years that's my joke. And I was like, oh, sweetheart, I'll never use that hacky bullshit again. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't, yeah. We both, there was another one I had. I thought that I came up with chastity pelt. I thought, oh, I don't, I don't shave my pubes. So I have a chastity pelt. And I thought I was the smartest person alive. Turns out that's been around for a long time. Yeah. That's just parallel thinking. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't unusual or even new. like, like shit that is not hack. You Google it and you'll be like, Pfft the fuck yeah yeah well i mean that's the hard thing is like uh people have similar ideas we live in the same culture you have similar yeah, yeah. ideas mm. like it's hard to find a truly original like thought and premise you know yeah it's true so, that's why i that's why i just i think the what i like to do and what i really enjoy is just like keep writing keep writing coming up with new stuff coming up with new stuff mm. refining stuff just playing with it and then like just you know if it doesn't but work don't do it that's you know? the actual work and i think maybe because you're of a different generation where you do put in the work as opposed to i'm an do tons and tons of stage time with no plan and everything every word that drips from my honeyed lips is gorgeous i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna record everything i'm my gonna record anything everything and never listen to it again but i don't write anything down because everything is in the moment because everything i think is hilarious and it's like you're lazy but you're not lazy because you're putting the pen to the paper yeah. and working it out and and coming from a writing perspective as opposed to a 
Yeah, there are different ways to do. I mean, you For don't sure. have to write anything down. Yeah. If you have a That's decent memory, you like how you uh, do comedy dictates how you can do comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you if you are recording all of your sets and doing like uh, following set list like to a T, you are not going to be good at fucking negotiating like a some heckly shit yeah. and like right, thrown right. off and then or or just pay, paying attention to like what you're doing because you, you get to watch it later. I'll just watch yeah. it later and then I'll know what I'm doing. Yeah, you gotta try different stuff. Yeah, get yeah, out of your absolutely. comfort zone. I mean, maybe like you find the thing that works best for you, but you still do other stuff too, just yeah, you to like absolutely. challenge your mind and like. And the proof is in the pudding. That's why like stand up is yeah, like immediate. people laughing. That is your proof. If people aren't mm-hmm. laughing, then you're doing something wrong. But that know? joke worked at the other place. Yeah. What's it, wrong with you guys? Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, always, <laughs> well, always you, do that. Blame, blame people. And 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 not to say that that isn't true. Very little of the time, like maybe like if you're at an open mic and like it's just comedians, it's five thirty, yeah. and like nobody is listening. Then yeah, okay, maybe in that situation. But if like over half the time that you get up and perform that joke, people don't laugh. That is a bad yeah. sign. Or know? or if it worked at the other place and worked here, did you do something different? You probably did something different. And that's possible you know I mean? too. You gotta self-reflect. I think of it like being a wizard. I want to, uh, <laughs> I want to have as many spells as possible, and I want them to work on everybody. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's that's my that's philosophy. A, I was talking about great. That's a great like. Well, I was thinking about yeah. this. Is like you like. I think the best comedians layer their jokes. They have, because who's your audience? You have the drunks, people who are really high, you have the sophisticated people, you have people who don't drink, you know, so you have a variety of people and you want to try to capture everybody, right? So it's yeah. like, you have the little stuff for the drunks to laugh at and that's really kind of captures mm-hmm. in the moment. You have the bigger picture stuff for the people who want to think about it. Then you have really overarching like threads mm-hmm. that connect everything together. And just like the way like uh, in jokes, I want to give uh, like a pause long enough for the people who are smart to get it before I say it so they're like satisfied with that but then I'm going to say yeah. it for everybody who doesn't get it and I'm going to say it in a funny voice yeah, so that, everybody's happy yeah that's just what I think now though that wolf. could probably change it's a wolf it's a wolf <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not even, that's, even, that's not even a wolf <laughs> so I love Zach's jokes um, well, hey, we're we're gonna wrap up here because we have a cool. we have a band coming in next. But what? Where awesome. are you performing next? What's going uh, on with you? With I have Harry a show Evans? at uh, I'm doing Delirium for Warhol's birthday. Awesome. March 11th. I'm on that too. All right. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Have a good time. Um, that's all I have right now. Uh, I just got I did a contest on on Sunday at Cobb's that went really well. So oh great. You know a contest. That, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, there goes the neighborhood. Ah, uh, who ever, books that? I can't get on the. Show. I have no idea to ask to get on that show. Uh, Jimmy a, Earl. I hope he doesn't a, hate. Is, it a, is it a bringer show? Do you have it is a bringer show. Oh, bringer I've never show. done a bringer show. Yeah, I don't, yeah, have, any, I mean, I don't I w- have any friends. I, no one will come for me. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, I think, you know, well, not to say that I'm not funny, but I think they also saw that I have a lot of people that I know outside of uh, comedy. So, like, I could probably bring a lot of people, which I did, uh, which, you know, I wouldn't do bringer shows all the time, but I'm, I'm new. I mean, I, I want to get my name out there. I want an audience. I want people to laugh and to show people that I'm funny. So I'll take what opportunities I can at this point. You Hell know? Yeah. I don't think like I could be at this point. I shouldn't be snobbish about where I perform. You know, it's like, I just want to get on stage and try different stuff for the different types of people and like, see what, what's out there. You know, you got to see the world before you decide which part of it you want to exist in. Well, let's book you for late March, early April on a Pantastics. Oh, awesome. So that you have something else coming up that you That'd can look forward to. We'll, we'll 
we'll get that done in the interim. We have a we have a band coming up next. I was at an amazing show um, at Bottom of the Hill. It was an afternoon show. If you ever hear that Subliminal SF is doing a show, a barbecue show, mm-hmm. you must go. It costs only ten dollars, and the barbecue was worth more than ten dollars. Like they had they had like eight kinds of meat. It was so good, oh, wow. and there were four bands, and one of them was War Bison, and I fucking love War Bison. They're local, and Birth Defects, another band that I just love. But outside, passing around flyers, I ran in to a nice man from a band called I'm gonna pull it up here I'm gonna remember it's the it's like the the somethings where is it I don't see the thing and I'm looking for it now I sound dumb uh the uh, they're gonna be in here in a second and then we'll know what the band name is because I am a terrible terrible host but it, it's not fair I've been I've been burning the candle you're at an amazing things. host oh thanks I've been trying to get people to come to the mutiny Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 5th. It's only a week away. The band is called These Bastards. These Bastards are going to come in next and, and talk to me on some Call Me Tim. But, uh, Kelly, this was really great. Thank you for having me. I had no idea, like, your sordid past. You look, I've always, as I've seen you and met you the past couple months, I just saw you as this really stand-up, completely together guy. And not that past addiction makes anyone any different than that. But just, I see you as this, like, like you present really put together. Yeah. So that's unusual for comedians, because usually they're just piles of dog shit. (laughs) I mean, Zach Wiseman was in here, so... No, I'm kidding. I love Zach Wiseman. Uh, That's a lot. (laughs) But, um... It's hey, because usually, and you're you're nice, well put together guy. Go see Kelly Evans, everybody. Go yeah. like him on. Can they they can follow Facebook, you on the Instagram? Yeah, Facebook, and the, Instagram, Kel E Man with underscores in between the Kel and the E and the E and the Man. I know that's a where, lot. Where where can we see you do your? Where can we experience your sommelier excellence? Do you want uh, to tell us that you want to keep that a secret? Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I work at a wine bar in Hayes Valley called Birba. It's B I R B A. Small little place. It's fun. It's low cost. It's just like we have good food and good wine, and it's not like. Like super expensive, so come by. We'll that have a good time. Great Monday nights, fifteen percent off bottles, baby. Yeah. Why don't you start an open mic there? I want to actually. It's a little small. Or not an open a, mic. A backyard, a showcase. A yeah. showcase. I want to do a showcase in the backyard, which is really nice, pretty large. But I'm still putting that together. It probably won't. Like the, the summer, weather when needs it gets to warmer. Yeah. Exactly. I'm but you've got the like time. April. Oh my god, that would be great. Oh, I, mean, I forgot to mention. I'm also hosting uh, Watch and Learn this Saturday. Oh, so. fantastic! So I'll be here this Saturday, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get awesome. funny comedians. I'll. I'll probably be here too running, <laughs> running your Instagram thank you so much Kelly Evans I, I wish you luck with uh, starting your own showcase that, what, and that would be so great to have a new venue to do something like that especially with like Hayes Valley nothing's going on in Hayes Valley yeah, not that I know of. Yeah, I don't think so. so. And that, and there's tons of people that live there. Yeah. So you have a built-in audience. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. have a, a following at the place too. So you know, yeah. a lot of people are regulars. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, for thank you me, so seriously. much. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too, Pam. Uh, everybody, we're gonna bring these bastards in in just a second. Enjoy the weird sounds of um, the our background uh, CD. This is some call me Tim here on Mutiny Radio. We're gonna be right back with these bastards.
fuck yeah. That was these bastards. That was off old and pissed. Uh, they're in the studio right now here on the second hour of Some Call Me Tim. Hi. Hi. Uh, so you guys are playing tomorrow night, Thursday, February 21st at the Elbow. I didn't know there was an Elbow Room in Oakland. I thought yes. it was just the one that closed here. Nope. That one opened, I don't know, about a year about before a year before the one closed. I think uh, that was... Uh, it used to be called the Nightlight, I Yeah, think? it used to be called the Nightlight. Ah. Yeah. And I, th- I think he opened that because he knew that the one in SF was was on a limited, you know. Right, right. That was going <laughs> to be, end, yeah. soon it would be uh, more condos because that's exactly that's, that's exactly what we need in the mission yeah. is we Eventually. need to push out artists and just bring in more condos so that untalented, boring people can just <laughs> ruin our city. Uh, they can make apps. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but condos. Nothing but condos. They as far can make as yeah, apps and live in condos and yeah. have $4 coffees. Right, I know. I, I can't I, believe $4 coffees. Do it. They don't even have alcohol in them. I I don't spend four dollars on a drink unless it has alcohol in it, right? right. Like, Even are you that. kidding me? Straight. Yeah. Four dollar um, drink's hard to come by now, too. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not getting one of those either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a four dollar cup of coffee. Four dollar cup of coffee. What's happening in this world? That's um, talking about. Ago. I'm sure it's much more than that now. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I know, I know. it's it's fresh drip press action. I know, and I buy it for five ninety nine a pound at Gross Out. So it's like, why would I spend nice. four dollars on a cup? <laughs> yeah. Thursday, February twenty first, Elva Room at Jack London Square in Oakland. Empty yeah. people, these bastards, and that ship has sailed. It sounds like a poem, just in the band names that <laughs> yeah, are yeah, playing. Yeah. And also added is a violent opposition. Violent. Unfortunately, opposition. Uh, Invertebrae was on the bill, but uh, this week let us know that they couldn't do it and so mm. we did a mad scramble and found a great band called Violent Opposition yeah. friends of ours they rock yeah. yeah, and they will fucking bring it yep. oh excuse me no I think no, no you okay. can swear you can oh, say oh, fucking yeah. you can fucking fuck swear the whole time you can, yeah. you can say fuck the police for a whole hour if you want I don't, I don't care you can, the last time you can, no oh maybe we were on the last time we were on the radio I guess it was like radio, radio, so we couldn't. Right, we yeah, had to yeah. Watch our language. Exactly, yeah. and they put it on a delay too, so that people can't. So they can beep know. us. Yeah. <laughs> so how long has these bastards been together as a band? Year and a half. That's not that long. Maybe. Not that long. No. I mean, we kind of were figuring thing out, things out for a while, but like actively, like a year. About a year. Yeah. Yeah. Actively, about a year. Yeah. Just a little over a year. I think we found our singer uh, last February, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. And were you all in different bands, and this was a side project that then everyone said, ah, this is the project? Or how did that all shake uh, down? I Well, actually, Alex and I were in a band briefly. How long ago was that? A couple of years ago. I don't even yeah. remember. It was a uh, band called Fastbender, and we were together for about a little, a little under a year. Yeah, we, we only played two shows. <laughs> Made a demo and then it just kind of Fizzled. died of the lack of its own momentum. <laughs> and then uh, we were all doing other things. And the band I was in before this with the drummer, our drummer Tommy that we have now, just kind of wasn't working out. And one day Tommy and I were like, we should ask Alex if he wants to do a new thing and just try something else. And he did. And I thought I asked you. Did you ask me? I don't think. I was it gonna, might have been one of those like serendipitous <laughs> things where Tommy yeah. and I were talking about it, and then you were like, "Hey, we should do something." And then you I said, like, well, "Well, I got a drummer." <laughs> yeah. We did, just you know, we just finished this other band. I, I think and so that might have been. It all kind of came together. And then you found the singer, who's and, a friend of the and drummer. And then yeah, uh, we just like. So and I also knew. Yeah. There's a weird thing with the drummer and the singer. I actually knew both of them, but I didn't know that I knew them. Yeah. Until I saw them again. <laughs> 
And you guys are crazy thrash. You guys are like thrash metal. Would you consider yourself thrash metal? What would you call yourself? There's, yeah. I mean, I just I usually say hardcore just because it's all encompassing and sure. you don't yeah. have to. You know, I don't know. Covers a lot of. Ground, I, I, there's elements of a lot of stuff, box, but yeah. I, I'd call us like hardcore, fastcore. I mean, I mean, fast-core. there's there's elements of everything. You know, everything yeah. that's heavy. You know, yeah. we like all everything sorts of heavy, stuff, heavy. So. everything, yeah. but st- we don't really do any like sto- slow stoner type stuff. You, yeah, more yeah. no stuff. We don't really right. do that, but sure. we definitely yeah. do more high energy kind of stuff. I think, yeah. We almost did some psyche stuff, but then it got eighty sixed. It did. <laughs> As a group, you were like, "It's not heavy enough." Well, Come it, on. Just, it was just I don't know. Maybe it didn't feel right. <laughs> it wasn't feeling right. What? So, what but, are your influences? It sounds like you guys are all over the map. That's anything heavy. What's the? Um, what would you say? You're like the things, and maybe not even your influences. Stuff you like to listen to outside your own band. Um, I mean, well, that's definitely something different than what this band would be about. I mean, yeah, we, I think we all have varied tastes all across. Because you love ABBA, and that has nothing to not. do with it. Well, <laughs> I mean, my, my my favorite band is actually my favorite bands are They Might Be Giants and Devo. That's <gasps> so cool. So, <laughs> the sun is a mass of incandescent oh, yeah. gas, a, a molecular burning nuclear furnace. Yeah, with don't get me started. Hydrogen, <laughs> heat it to millions of degrees. Yeah, I love They Might Be Giants. Oh, that was one of awesome. the first bands that I ever connected with because I was I'm old. Um, Nickelodeon had just started in the day. I'm, I'm yeah, 44. welcome to the club. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're I mean we're all in the same kind of age. I was I'm yeah. 44 years old and so I was okay. watching. We, we've got you beat. We Yo, got you really you do. Yeah. You guys oh, look you guys yeah. look, you guys look young. You Let's look good you. for your age. <laughs> but there was remember when They Might Be Giants was on Nickelodeon? It was yeah. like they had a it was it wasn't MTV because I wasn't allowed to watch MTV because it was like all at that time it was all like girls in bikinis washing cars and like she's my cherry pie and my parents were oh, like yeah. that's hypersexualized and we don't agree with it and so but on Nickelodeon they had all of these they might be giants like yeah. songs and videos and they had those cartoon videos I remember they I were feel great. like I would like that band I, I don't really know that. You would. I, I, I don't know. know. It's hard. They, his, his voice is kind of whiny. Their voice, that sound is kind of, but it, you get used to it. It's like Rush, okay. you know? I it like is. Rush. It's, yeah. <laughs> I and love Rush. I, I do too. <laughs> Uh, it's hard though when you, you gotta go, go to there, Getty, you go a lot of places you gotta go to Getty Lee Land but you don't have to you either like to go to Getty Lee Land or, or you, you don't, don't. Yeah. So that's right. you either get it or you simple. just like yeah. yeah they might be giants is similar and, and it's I think also um, Elvis Costello I always really resonated with him when I was younger I like yes. Elvis Costello he's alright yeah, yeah, yeah I don't have like a hundred albums but yeah. My Name is True is pr- pretty much a classic I like that guy so um, tell me about your, your so who's your so Top, top three things you like to listen to right now. Oh, geez. Right now, a lot of, um, okay, g- generally, 70s guitar rock. Generally, All right. Generally, Frank Zappa. Oh, wow. I, Time when, signature changes. Yeah. Fuck and me. Then, and when recently, I think of Alex, I think of Frank Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> recently, in the last couple of weeks, oh, well, I'm not going to mention that one, but Voivod, recently, just because I've just discovered their new album, um, and, and really liking it. Keep so. keeping it proggy. Yes, keeping proggy. it proggy. So like and Deep sci-fi. Purple. You know, I'm not a Deep Purple fan, actually. I, they're no. one of the bands I, I don't completely dig from yeah. that era. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, pop, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, Thin Lizzy, all that, you know, all that sure. the guitar rock yeah. stuff, Thin Lizzy you know? myself. I know the other two guys, since uh, they can't be represented today, uh, but they're both big fans of the Dead Milkman and <gasps> Mojo Nixon. You guys are all over the map. Yeah, we're yeah. all over the place. And then, but this, and how do you take those varied 
things from your own life and then create this sound together that's very like heavy and fa- who's writing the lyrics let me start there that's leech. all leech yeah our singer leech he that's writes the him. lyrics it's a lot of his inspirations are like a lot of occult stuff uh, mixed with like western philosophy and huge criticism of what's happening in this area. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You guys are going to be playing with War Bison coming up soon. And I yes. love that song that they sang that's on their new album that's all about what 45 is doing. And it's like, don't stop. I love it's like I, it's it's I never know what what Dwayne's really saying, but I I feel I get the feeling in my heart. No, we're super yeah. excited to be playing with them. Uh, we're yeah. doing two shows actually with them in March. We're right. doing a double header. We're going to spend uh, Friday night the eighth up in Sacramento. Oh wow! At the Veterans Hall. Yeah, Fair Oaks, actually. Uh, Fair Oaks, Fair excuse Oaks. me. It's Fair Oaks is a really neat place because they have, um, their town allows roosters to roam free and chickens in the streets. Really? Yes. And so in Fair Oaks, <laughs> it's so weird. They have some restaurants and they have trees in the back and you can sit outside in these restaurants and the chickens are just allowed to live in the fucking trees. Hell yeah. And like I roosters it. everywhere. It's Fair Oaks is a weird place. Yeah, y'all got to come down to Fair Oaks and rock <laughs> yeah. with us on the 8th. With the chickens. It's an awesome, uh, it's awesome spot. It's very, it's, it, it is a veterans hall. And yeah. uh, where you play is one room and right next door is a bar. Nice. Yeah, where all the Winning. old like VFW hall <laughs> yeah. members are sitting at the bar Super and drinking. Super fun. Sacto Kids rule. They're so fun and they love yeah. music. Like we do, and we all we have a good time every time we go up there. So we're happy War Bison's Absolutely. coming with us. Yeah. And then the next night, uh, it's their record release show at Parkside, and we were lucky ah, enough yes. to be invited to play there. Yeah, um, War Bison record release. Yep. With Cold Claw and Grossero. Yep. And there March was rumors 9th. from one of the members in War Bison that they were going to be playing a new new song, which they felt was their most hardcore song yet. Okay. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and they do a Sounds lot like of a time. Challenge. They do a lot of time signature changes as well. I, I've that's one of the things that when you mentioned Zappa, I'm like, it's hard to do as a. For, I mean, I don't understand sometimes. Fancy. I'm a stand-up comedian, so it, for me, it's like I have a routine and I practice it, and I'm up on stage by myself, so I can't really fuck up. But you guys are together, doing something, all four of you, and that sort of amazes me that you can have drastic changes in where you were going and you stop and it's like is it completely memorized are you feeling off each other like is it all about the rehearsal uh, do you all write the songs together so that it's just ingrained in your body by a point or I mean I mean it's not, not even anything that specific it's all of that stuff some parts we go on feel or we just kind of watch each other to know what to do some of a lot of most of it's just memorized yeah. you know you, yeah. you play it over and over until you're in sync but I I don't know I think like stand up comedy is probably harder No you actually have a talent <laughs> I yeah, <laughs> you can play an instrument. You know, I mean, that's no. I, you could divine talent in a lot of ways, but yeah, we're hiding behind our instruments. Yeah, I have three <laughs> other people. And we're loud. <laughs> yeah, but it's you're loud. We don't together. have to hear anything until we stop. But you got to hear the silence. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, hard. That's, I don't know how they, comedians do that. Yeah, you're on an island by yourself. I don't. I mean, maybe talent isn't the word, but it definitely takes 
fortitude to <laughs> yeah. stand up in front of a group of people and just like, and it's all you. This is like your material, you know. I've, you know, if something is screwed up, I don't know. I can blame yeah. those other guys. <laughs> have you, have you ever fucked up so egregiously in a show where you're just like, fuck me? I can't. Well, uh, what do you do? You just keep going, or you what do you? Ideally, you keep going. Well, I mean, that's really what it is. Is with experience, and I think most musicians will agree is that over time you learn to make those mistakes. You know, because they happen. They're going to sure. happen as much mm-hmm. as you practice. Either it could be a technical problem where you're just not on your game, or whatever it is. It's going to happen, and the whole thing is recovering. I mean, being a musician is really yeah. just about doing that. And Alex, Alex videos every show. So one of the cool things is um, we get to see what our mistakes look like from the other side. Mm. So You break it down like football gameplay day. Almost. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, the big thing is when you're up in front of people and you make a mistake— you feel like everybody notices and it sounds terrible and oh my god i ruined the song but then you go back to the the video and it's not even noticeable most of the Mm. times so you do that enough times and you get to realize that like one mistake isn't gonna really fuck anything up and you just go with it and trust yourself more. as long as you keep the energy up you know you're always gonna have a good show if you're having fun i think everybody else is having fun what's the worst gig you've ever played Oh, with this band or in general? Uh, let's say with this band because you're pretty new, which means that you must yeah. have had already just some. I think we would agree on one specific show was it specifically the, for us. The Bindlestiff show? No, not oh. at all. I thought one, that was fun. One, two, three, four, go. Yeah. Oh. It was like our second show. Mm. We were playing with all these bands we love. Yeah. And it was just really uh. tight. It was basically what, like five, four, five, five. Four or five bands in two hours. Oh my so lord! It was really three rushed songs. to get going. Three songs. Is that and all you got? And no, then, no, no. We just. Weird. I think we were just not in our best form. You know, they were just maybe a little nervous. Sharing drums. Tight. Did you have sharing, sharing amps? Drums, sharing drums. Sharing drums. Yeah. Sharing amps. Sharing amps was yeah. the problem. I think it was just tough and the space was new to us and it, 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 was, it was just one of those things, you know, yeah. I don't think it was anything specific. Yeah. It just wasn't our best show. It was, it was our second show. Yeah. There, there was a, a friend's band, uh, was touring from Japan mm. and we really wanted to play with them. And so one of our friends in another local band, uh, one of, um, Alex's, uh, bandmates from his other band, Conquest for Death uh, put this show together so that this Japanese band could play with all the bands that they played with in Japan and that they got to that know. They were friendly with. Sure. So they put us on, but they, as a, and they still had a show that night. It benders. Oh, yeah, so they had a bender show. So they had we had to end at a certain time to get them over there. Sure. Yeah. So just like a lot of pressure, it was only our second show. We didn't have the on stage rapport we have now, or the confidence that we have now. So it didn't. You know, yeah. It wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't great. It what, was, yeah. <laughs> what keeps you guys going? Because you're not. You don't get paid that. I mean, you have to, you have real jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get. No, we have guarantees. We have, Usually, oh, it's yeah, like well, 2K. No, he's kidding. Okay. We don't make money. <laughs> but do you have Do you have day jobs? And what keeps you like jobs. involved in? I mean, because it takes a long time to be in a band. It's not just finding bookings yeah. or traveling to places or being on tour, but it's also the rehearsal and having a rehearsal mm-hmm. space and having that the time money. to do that. Yeah. And that yeah. costs money. And yes. so like, 
you must really love music. I mean, or what's like, what's keeping you guys going? I mean, I'm not ta- what I'm talking about is like the music industry as a larger scene now. And right. it used to be that, Hey, you're amazing. And we love your sound and we're going to give you a record deal. And now we're going to take care of your bookings and we're going to take care of your promotion. Right. But yeah. that sort of doesn't exist anymore. It's like everyone's their own maverick and you've got to have your SoundCloud and you, right. you sort of book your own shows. And yeah, I mean, we've all been doing that for so long. Like, we've yeah, been I think it's just what we do. Yeah, we've been playing punk hardcore bands since, I mean, Alex, since, I mean, all of us since the 80s, probably. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is when I started this, you weren't going to make any money anyway. Um, so I never had that idea at all. Yeah. Doing, I mean, the thing is, I had already decided the kind of music I was going to do was going to be what I wanted to do regardless. And so it wasn't going to be necessarily a money-making project, right? Uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's just forms of music where you could, you could possibly have done it then, and it's going to be a lot harder now, obviously. But, you know, you could have. I mean, you know, when metal became the thing right gone full metal and maybe got a metal band that was doing pretty well you know Mm. i don't know yeah but we just do because we love it and we can't help ourselves yeah oh wow and we love other bands and we love meeting new people and we love meeting people that are excited about music they're just excited as we are and want to have a fucking good time you know i mean it's a weird thing too because like obviously it'd be awesome to like play music for a living but at the same time like i don't want this to be a job i don't want it to feel like a job uh-huh. you know what i mean like this is a release from my job you know this is just something we do you know the job pays for us to be in a band essentially that's yeah, what the band is. is the job then i don't know i when i was when i when i first went to college um i i there was um this jazz band that was basically a class you try out for the band, but you you got graded on it, and it was you know yeah, you units, had attendance yeah. rules and everything like a regular class. Um, and I hated it. I hated it so much. I didn't want playing music to be a grade. I didn't want it to be a class. I didn't want it to feel like work. It was supposed to be something I enjoyed. And ever since then, that's been my attitude about music. Like I don't want music to be work. I want it to be the opposite. Work is one thing. Music is another. And they the, never the twain shall meet. But what if what if there was a society where you could do anything you wanted and you didn't have to have a day job? Would you choose? You'd be like, well, music all day long. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I like the idea. I just don't know how it would really be, you know, to do that. I mean, I think yeah. part of the reason I love it so much is because I'm always like trying to find time for it because right? you, know, you're hungry you know, for hungry it for you have it, right? to be hungry and for so it, how yeah. about if it's like every day all the time I don't know if I would love it as much I feel like there's still a lot of discovery because there's so much I want to do but who knows if my passion really goes that far yeah what did you what did you bring here CD wise I brought, I brought I brought one part of the alphabet <laughs> <laughs> I brought a pile of stuff too it started out with a Japanese band called Vivisec and then it ended up being a bunch of V's so I also bought, bought a Violent Opposition CD and a Brazilian thrash band called Violator wow so who's how... gonna be in the States in July down in LA what we're making sure what um how do you find how do you find your music? Are you constantly on the search for like metal? Do you you have a lot of CDs? Are they old CDs? Are you buying new CDs? Is it all online now? Are you just looking on Spotify or SoundCloud and putting in new metal bands? And I mean, what do you? Is it friends of friends say, "Did you hear about Violator or whatever?" And then you listen and. Well, I think you found Violator on tour, right? Yeah, 
these bands that I brought up right now were because of tour. Oh, okay. And honestly, I am super overwhelmed by the amount of music that's out there. I can barely keep track. Um, I rely on friends that turn me on to stuff, other yeah. bands that turn me on to stuff. Well, in Alex's case, too, if I can speak for you, like he, his old band, Conquest for De- Death, toured a lot, and they toured the world, and they, they've been in places like Brazil and Mongolia and Australia, and so and he has exposure work? to music that a lot of people don't in other in our part of the world. So he has like a whole different, you know, conduit to that stuff. Was that a, a sponsored us- tour? Because. Or did you your band pay for it? Sponsored by hours of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, they're, they're completely giant losses. Oh. In fact, we mostly decided to play in places where people had no money, and we would definitely not make money. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but the adventures are great. And, sure. you know, the, the thing I, I, I got out of most of all was first meeting some of the greatest guys I've ever met playing music with. Uh, and then secondly is going to other um, countries and experiencing culture like no other way. You know, sure. there's nothing like being connected immediately once you're there through the music. Right. Um, and then through the Places food. to stay, <laughs> meeting people, you know, things like that. Because you can travel somewhere, but there's no... There's no guarantee you're going to meet someone local or be able to come, go to the house for dinner or hang out with their friends and family and, and find out what's really going on. Sure. As opposed to being a tourist and just kind of, you know, getting the tourist view, right? Right. So. Right. Paying for the tourist experience, which yeah. feels so safe. Um, <laughs> grab me, pick a CD and tell me to play something. We'll play, we'll play one of your, do, one of your songs. Let's do Violent Opposition like. since we're playing oh, with yeah, them yeah, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're playing with these guys. And this is, uh, there's a lot of tracks to pick from. So, yeah, <laughs> they're hey. probably very sure. Yeah, very sure yeah great. Let's see uh, the names of some of these. Okay. This is Violent Opposition. Yeah. Buddha's Enlightenment. Awesome. Synchronized Circle Pit. Fracking. Love it. Competitive Pride. Oh, man. <laughs> these guys are speaking my language here. It's almost like the, it's, a, it's more it's just uh, beautiful poetry. So this is uh, Violent Opposition. Let's... Uh, uh, from give 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 the, the dates area. again. Give the dates again. Of, so it's tomorrow, February twenty first. Empty people, these bastards. Violent opposition. That ship has sailed. And then yes. the eighth. Uh, the eighth is it, War at Bison. Veterans Hall in uh, Fair Oaks with uh, good shit. War Bison, Legion of Malice, Control All Delete, and one other. And it's uh, Jorge's birthday bash. He's turning twenty six. He's a promoter oh. up there. Yeah. And it should be a rocking show. And the next night, the 9th of March at Parkside. I'm definitely going to be at that show. It's going to be fun. For the War Bison record release. Yep. Uh, with Grisero and Cold Claw. We'll start here with the synchronized circle pit. This is what my, my boyfriend likes to do the Licking running the into people pit. and hurting them. At the, and I'm like, Stop. and it's what he loves. He loves metal and he'll go out and he'll do. And I can't usually go to shows with him because I don't like to see him get hurt uh. and he'll come home and he'll be like, I had so much fun. And I'm like the bruises on his body. <laughs> and then the next day he'll be like, I'm so sore. And I'm like, you get no sympathy. Yeah. You did it to yourself. I saw you on the synchronized circle pit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was violent opposition here on MutinyRadio.fm. I am joined right now by these bastards playing with violent opposition tomorrow, Thursday, February 21st at the Elbow Room in Jack London Square, Oakland. Yep. What? uh, How much are tickets, and where do people get them at the door? They can get them on Eventbrite. What can they do? Yeah, door. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. Ten bucks. That's it. I think so. Four great bands for ten. It's two fifty a band. How can people not go? I mean, you're missing out. Yeah. Even if you come from the city, like it's really easy to get to by via BART. So you're gonna spend twenty bucks to get there and back. Ten bucks. You know, ten dollars to get there. Ten dollars for the show. Drinks are like. They're fair. Okay. Fair, fairly priced drinks. Well, the Elbow Room, that was one of the things I always appreciated about the Elbow Room in San Francisco is they had... Great happy hour. Great happy hour until 9 o'clock every night. It was so great. You could get a $3... the latest happy hour in town that I can think of. I can't remember Yeah, 9 o'clock. That's, yeah, it's usually like a six end, right? I think I didn't spend enough time at the Elbow Room. Yeah. They had, it was, it was great. And... The downstairs area was so cool, and the upstairs area was so great for lots. And they did all kinds of different events. I did so many literature events Matt? there. Do you know Matt? No, I don't know oh, Matt. Okay, he's one of he's one of the owners, and he always uh, would post like bad reviews of the Elbow Room, and they were hilarious. Like <laughs> these Yelp so reviews, funny. they were hilarious. Man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, they were great. I, do, I love bars that have like a separate show space like that too, like the Hemlock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God bless its soul. I yeah. miss the Hemlock already. Yeah, that was a great. Space. Spot. But Jack London Elbow Room is the same thing. It has yeah, upstairs. Yeah, it has the same sort of vibe. Separate upstairs uh, The bar's spot. right. The difference is the bar's right there, right? Like yes. at Hemlock, you actually go outside, so they have right. a bar at the uh, back. It's about the same size, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's about the same size. Yeah. So it feels really full. Yeah. I always And then the separation yeah. is a whole nother bar downstairs. Right. Yeah. Wow. Places like that are great. So yeah. the other, um, you brought, you wanted to talk about. Oh, Octo- oh Octopulpa. Octopulpa. Uh, this guy, um, JP. Yeah, he's kind of a one-man band. He he played drums in a band called My Man Mike from Korea. Even though he's from France originally, lives in Korea. Does this band called Octopulpa, and uh, he plays drums. And all the other tracks are pre-recorded. He played them but recorded them separately and has like a video running as he plays and all the drums uh all the everything he does on the drums triggers what the tracks are gonna do so he's a computer programmer as well as an incredible drummer so he's programmed the drums so that like uh, somehow or another his computer recognizes certain drum patterns oh and it sets what? off that sequence. Whoa. Yeah. So um, it's like instead of having the multiple pedal board in front of him where you like press the looping station, you go boof, and you know that that you're like pressing right. to loop it. Yeah. The drums trigger it in the computer. It's like he's right. like has AI on his side. He's like. Basically. Well, it's listening for a pattern that he's going to play. And then once it hears it, it sends off the uh, the sequence. Right. Which is a portion of the song or maybe a whole song. Right. Yeah. And then so there's video playback of oh. as this music's going of him playing bass and guitar guitar and whatever else while he's playing live drums and singing it's like old school four track except sort of live yes and yes. like way more sophisticated way yeah. more sophisticated <laughs> and he has different singers from all over the world singing different parts of the songs yeah and they're uh, in the videos and uh, it's quite know, incredible how did you it's, find it's, this guy on tour <laughs> on tour so you were well, in we had, Brazil no in Korea that's Korea. where he's from he's yeah. Belgian I think he's 
Belgian. Belgian. I think he's Belgian. Or maybe he's French. I'm sorry. Maybe he's French. Anyway, he lives in Korea. And then, so when we were touring in Korea, he helped set up our tour, that part of the tour. So, yeah. And then that's when we discovered My Man Mike. Right. Oh, actually, no. We discovered My Man Mike. They came here and played, and that's how we met him. And then he set up our tour in Korea. We hung out with him there. And then he came over, you know, with this thing. In the small world of punk, like... Alex's old band played with them. My old band happened to play with my man Mike as well, and so we knew him from different avenues. And then, which is another great band. You gotta check them if you <laughs> like heavy music. My man Mike, yeah, out they're of great. South Korea, incredible. Yeah. Um, incredible fast yeah. core that will rip your face off. Yeah. I guess it does it if you can't understand what people are saying lyrically anyways. And it's like do a you? sonic set. Do you? It doesn't, well, do you? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I do. But that's the thing is I could listen to Japanese punk and it might sound the same as, not sound the same, but the vocals. Like well, sometimes it's hard to understand. Of it, you know? yeah. I mean, because with heavy music, a lot of it is just this heavy sound. And it's sure. not necessarily the word. It's right. just the sound. Which yeah. Is, uh, this was the strategy I used with my old band, um, which had lyrics half in Cantonese, which was the ah, idea. That's cool. Which was the idea that it didn't matter because when you're singing heavy music like that, most of the times you don't understand everything anyway. And so. do you have a huge following of, of old Cantonese ladies, like on the bus, like the 30 Stockton? Do you just want to like you know, play it really I, loud? I wish I did. I think that band was maybe 10 years before its oh. time. You know, uh, no, we had no following. It was great. <laughs> Uh, no, no, we, we, we made some connections, uh, but that band never really got anywhere. I mean, I don't think, I think also the music of what we were doing was a little bit out of people's, I don't know, it's out of the box, I guess, you know, it was heavy music, but it was all over the place. So, well, this, we're going to listen to song number five here, which is, uh, where's my tooth? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'd like to know. I, I, I really, this guy hits like all the bases, like the, he's humorous, but like the music's still intense. The live show is amazing, but it's not a gimmick. It's musically really, really It's well really good. Done. Yeah, it's yeah. not just a gimmick. And and then he's got this weird, mysterious thing with the octopus mask. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's check him out. Uh, Octopulpa here.
Holy Toledo, that's a one-man <laughs> band right yeah. there. Octopulpa. One of my favorite bands of the past few years that I've discovered. And completely entertaining. I yeah. mean, you will be mesmerized seeing him. I, I We played with him on a Wednesday, I think, and then uh, realized he was playing the next night, a Thursday night at uh, the Knockout. And I had already had plans that night, but I like moved heaven and earth to make sure I could see him again because it was just so awesome the first night. Yeah, How, I mean, you guys love music. That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that's. I mean it's. What else and, are you gonna do? But yeah, what else are you gonna do with your life? This is Vivisick. Tell us a little bit about this. Uh, set the apathetic on fire. <laughs> They're a band out of Japan. They rock. <laughs> they just broke up last year, I believe, unfortunately, after many years, probably like 20 years. Oh, yeah, they've been around a long yeah, time. Yeah, they've been around a long time. Uh, again, another band met on tour. They're fantastic. Their live show is incredible. They played uh, here last year at Metro. Was that last year or two years ago? It might have been two years ago. Two years, I think. Ago. Two years ago uh, at the Metro. For like the release of their last record, I Yeah, think. that was on Tank Crimes. Yeah. A local label. I don't think I've ever heard, I've seen a band from Japan that wasn't great. Like, they just know how to do it yeah I don't know what it is Japan uh, yeah. we're gonna start here with alarm chain handle on opposite wall alright <laughs> cause I love the name of that yeah um, again this is like we'll play a couple songs cause I gotta go potty and then oh. we'll be right back here with these bastards on Mutiny Radio thank you guys for listening and go see them tomorrow night Thursday February 21st at the Elbow Room Jack London Square it's only a $10 show come on you guys like what are you doing with your lives it's a Thursday <laughs> go out like I'm stoked I'm not booked tomorrow night so I'm like I'm going out but <laughs> in Oakland and I'm trying to keep my boyfriend safe because he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> I'm so concerned oops CD1 
hope that you enjoyed Vivisec right there. You were saying um, off air that there's a weird connection between Brazil and Japan musically. You want to talk about that for a second? You know, I'm not exactly uh, completely knowledgeable, but, but what I do know is that I believe in the 80s, a lot of workers from Brazil went over to Japan to work in the auto industry. And there's some sort of industry connection going the other way as well. Japanese people that end up in Brazil because... I'd actually made a couple of connections where um, I met this guy in Japan, and then, um, but he was Brazilian, and he ended up back in Brazil. And um, I didn't see him again when we were in Brazil, but we did talk and stuff. And then there was uh, there was other people that had that same connection. So you can look that up probably, you yeah. know, and see that there is some sort of uh, connection through work, and then now. Uh, families have been created <laughs> yeah, and there's a, now, yeah and there, there's a there's a by um country kind of thing this is another uh japanese band horse and deer yeah i love this band i love the art on the cover of this yeah. it's hilarious they're super fun got a drunk punk rocker with a bottle on the sand washed up on with the classic japanese thing with the wave yeah and then you got a big giant squid who's gonna eat him yeah and a whale on the back <laughs> I love the art for this. But these guys are just, I don't know, high energy, crazy, fun, wacky. One, one of the best bands I've ever and, seen play And live. you guys basically just brought stuff of like, these are people we'd want to play with. Or that... That we like. Like you like? Well, actually, I just went from one part of the alphabet. So. Oh, okay. Sorry. So it was like, here are these little ones. <laughs> Sorry, I started a like V and you. stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Horse and Deer. I'd tell you the name of the song, but it's in Japanese. Deer. That was some. I mean, I I'm digging the Japanese language there with the 
with the crazy lyrics and who knows what he's saying, but yeah. I like the cadence of his voice. Well. Um, hey guys, you really need to go see uh, these bastards tomorrow. How did you guys come up with the name before we play a track off of your? I don't know. We have no freaking. I just we went through so many. The list is ridiculous. In fact, yeah, I, should, I should bring that list one day to next, another one of these interviews. We just go through the whole thing. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Do, do you remember any of them? Like some of the I, just the I, poor I, ideas that you had. Don't yeah. creep dick. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no, no. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a that fun, was kind of a funny. joke one. I don't know. There was a lot um, of joke ones. There was a lot of joke ones. Yeah, I don't but remember. But nice guys was the original. Nice guys was the one we were gonna go well, with. That's so ironic. That's so funny. Out, people talked us out of it. Yeah, we would because we were all Friends stoked on nice out. guys. We, nice we were it's making funny. logos. We immediately like got into it. And made all this, you know, got. Ideas for artwork and stuff, and our friends, we would tell them the name, and they'd be like, "Really?" Uh, the, the reaction I felt like was, it was too internal, maybe. Yeah, they, but they didn't like, get the irony of like nice guys, and then the sound—it's your sound is so heavy that people wouldn't normally equate nice guys with such a heavy sound. That's I, funny to me. That's I, like yeah. kind it, of it changes the expectations and it sort of flips it, and there's humor there. I'm all about humor. Yeah. But we're also uh, nice guys. <laughs> yeah, it's also... It was, really, it was just kind of descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> but these bastards. But these yeah. bastards. That one just happened one day. Yeah. Uh, who came up with it? Nobody, in particular, someone just went... somebody just said it so, yeah, somewhere, well, and then we were all like... Yeah. Uh, it just hit that thing. Yeah, that could be a bad name. It's yeah. It's a, a funny band name, too. We just sat, sat there... Riffing on it, and, and then you know, I made and it just fit the concept, you know, where we were like talking about a lot of the things that we have concerns about that are happening, um, you know, in our area as well as in our country. Um, these oh. bastards have really taken us to the cleaner. What's you your know? number yeah. one? What's your number one concern right now that you think that you're just like, what? How is this well, even happening? There's stuff you that know. I think about daily, and then there's the larger picture things. Uh, recently, I've been thinking about why we've decided to throw $2 billion to our Trans Bay Terminal that isn't open, you know, that, huh. that took eight years to, Local to make. Local stuff. And then uh, open for two months before it's been closed, and it's cost us millions of dollars every month. And the, the initial reason it was built, uh, a lot of those reasons can't be fulfilled. Um, our, you know, our governor is, uh, cl- is closing down our uh, high-speed rail, which is one of the reasons why that was built. There's a right. huge base that costs $500 million that's under the Trans Bay Terminal, sitting empty, waiting for trains that are never going to come. Wow. Yeah, we were paying for it. Thanks. So blatant and all you guys waste. that cross the bridges, all your toes, tolls are going to go toward this giant debt that's sitting there because not only that, there's retail space that should have been opened last oh, year that's sitting wow. around. So all that money they should have been making, is there's no money going there. It's not being used. There's a lot yeah. that's across the street that costs almost nothing, I bet, and it's been in use for years, and it works fine. Wow. What's going on here? Who's making money? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, wow, sorry. You're saying, but you're saying, look, <laughs> but, no, don't be sorry. That's something I've never even thought of. I've never even yeah, thought of it. I mean, well, I knew that it opened and then closed, but I didn't realize. Yeah, it, it cost us such... $2 billion. 
$2 billion. And that's locally. That's like, that's, that's like yeah. San that's Francisco shit. Well, not, uh, I think there's probably money from the whole Bay area because, sure. uh, you know, the, I know one of the things that they're going to start doing is they're using some of the bridge tolls to start paying off some of the money that they owe mm. because there's a huge bill every month to just to maintain this place. Yeah. It's not even open. We, they should at least make it like a parking structure. I mean, if, if you could, I mean, the way to do it would be to say, hey, you're coming over on the bridge. You paid that toll. Park your car here and then take public transit around the town so that we don't have so much traffic during the day right. and everyone doesn't get so angry. It's a big, huge, empty room. Yeah, Put if, cars in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, what do you do? If it was useful, that'd be something. But right yeah. now, it doesn't look like it's being used. It's not even open. And, you know, I, I, I walk by there every day, and I see that the lot that is being used, it's ha that has been in the use for the last, I don't know, four or five years, maybe? Yeah. Works fine. Works just People fine. are catching their buses. They're getting to the East Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Those buses are coming in from the East Bay. People are getting on them. It's not a problem. Why have we built a $2 billion structure that does nothing anyway? Sure. No. Yeah. Hey, Alex, I get it. Sorry. So recently, that's what I've been Recently, what's your, what's your biggest... <laughs> Uh, societal issue like that. Man, I don't have anything that elaborately thought out as <laughs> as Alex does, but you know, I mean, living in San Francisco for the past ten years, obviously the issues never end and mm -hmm. just pile up with the problems of gentrification and um, predatory developers and landlords. I mean, it's yeah, what you had said, all the interesting people are leaving. Because they can't afford to be yeah. there anymore. Yeah, San Francisco was an interesting town. Yeah, I think it still is, and I think there's still music where you can... I mean, I met you at a $10 show where the food was worth more than $10, right. and there were four bands! That's like, right, and it was a good time. It was a great time! I had a great well, time! Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it was great, and you know, I mean, we don't have many of these places left. Yep. You yeah. Know, I can't say I support the bottom of the hill as much as I should, but... If you do go music, go there. Support <laughs> live yeah. as well. Support live and support live music in San Francisco. Go out and see a band. Go to Benders. You know, every yeah. Saturday night, Benders has it's only five dollars to get in. That's I right. have no idea how they pay their bands and how this all works. Because I mean, it must just all be alcohol sales, huh? Is that like how bands are paid now? You're just it's all based off um, alcohol. It, it just on depends place. on where it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, some places charge covers and mm. they'll give you part of that. Um, yeah. But support live entertainment. I mean, yeah, anybody yeah, who's getting up Any, there for your entertainment, right. if it's, you know, comedy like in your case or, or right. live we, theater or music or wrestling, right, which I happen sure. to be a big but fan of. Get out of your get out of your house. Get off the Netflix. Go out yeah. and be a part of the community. Go yeah. see a band. Go yeah. see wrestling. Go see. Yeah. Go experience the world around you instead That's of right. hiding in your house and saying, "Well, I feel like I understand everything because I love Netflix." <laughs> like get get outside. Yeah. Go right. step outside. It's nothing your like zone. something live. You can listen to all the music you want at home and watch all the DVDs and streaming this and that. But you get into a room where there's music happening. And you're going to experience something different. But even your, you know, even your experience at home listening to music that you already have in your house, like half of, you know, your collection is things that you discovered going out and seeing mm, bands and being right. on tour. And so you have a whole music collection in your house that you got from not being in your house. Yeah. Yep. So everybody go out tomorrow night, Thursday, February 21st, see Empty People, These Bastards, Violent Opposition. That ship has sailed at the Elbow Room. Yeah. Jack London Square, Oakland. Doors at eight? Eight. Eight, nine. Cool. Eight, nine. Somewhere around. Doors are at eight. It's a night show. Doors it's going to be fun. Yeah. Doors at oh, eight. And we've got a band camp. Oh. And we got Facebook. So come say hi to us. Check out our stuff. Mm -hmm. There's some videos on YouTube. 
these bastards. Uh, we're going to close it out with their song. Burn the burn, fucker down. Burn the fucker down. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thanks Thank for having you, us. This is Thank you, Pam. Yeah, you bet. This has been Mutiny Radio. Coming up next, uh, the Wednesday Wave. So stick around for that. And again, go tomorrow to Elbow Room. Uh, see these bastards. Also on the 9th, go out to the Parkside Park side. and see them along with War Bison, one of my favorite San Francisco bands. My number one favorite San Francisco band, though, is Floating Goat. Oh. I love Floating Goat so much. Do you know Floating Goat? Oh, yeah. But uh, are they still around? Yeah, they're still around. They've been right. playing right now as a band called Hendrixian. And it's the same three guys, but it's Chris Corona. They all do um, Jimi Hendrix covers. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, but they're fun. But I still, I, God, I love Floating Goat. They're, I just, I think Aaron Barrett, drummer comedian Aaron Barrett is a great, great, great drummer. He's also a very funny comedian, but he quit comedy. Okay. But he's really, really funny. Ask him to do a George W. Bush impression okay. if you've ever seen okay. him. Okay, all right. Be like, Aaron, tell us your George W. Bush impression. Uh, we're going to listen to one last song from these bastards. Go see them. Thanks for listening to Mutiny Radio. Yay! Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it. All right.
testing. Can you hear yourself? Yes. 